everyone, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Exploring Antinatalism podcast, a podcast all about the subject of antinatalism created by antinatalists. My name is Amanda Oldfansukunik, also known as Forever Wolf Films on YouTube, and today I'm joined by YouTube antinatalist powerhouse and creator of Ephilism, In Mendham. So, hey there, Gary, how are you? Thank you for being with us today. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, struggling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm alive and uh, it's not perfect. Nope. Not even close. It surely isn't. Um, so, uh, you know, I, uh, I fully expect that, you know, as much as I would like to go directly into the subject of antinatalism and ethylism with you, I fully expect that some of our audience that'll be, that will be listening to this um, may not know anything about your long history. So I do want to take at least a little bit of time to give our audience some context and just go through a little bit about your background. Um, so you've said on multiple occasions that you had started to think about some of these ideas, even as a little kid. Um, can you tell me a little bit about when your earliest sort of anti-procreative inklings began? Well, I didn't even think of it in terms of procreation. I thought of it in terms of my own getting the hell out of here. Like, was there, was there an off button somewhere? Was there an exit sign somewhere where I could just gracefully walk the hell out of here? Because I didn't get any of it. Um, so I would say, yes, I was born on the wrong side of the planet or whatever you'd say. I, I, I never, as a child, felt terribly secure or confident that um, anything about this game was going to be worth my trouble. Um, it looked pretty <laughs> ominous. It looked like it looked like you were just rolling dice even back then. And <laughs> like playing a, any kind of board game or any kind of game you play, it just figured I'm going to lose eventually. <laughs> you know, So it's, you know, it just looks pretty dark and, and um, horrid that you just saw what everybody turned into. You, you, you listen to any kind of news, you just hearing about people dead on battlefields or this or yeah. that. It's just seemed kind of arbitrary. Well, you ask what the question, well, why has that guy got one leg? And it's, well, it's God's will. And you're saying, what, what, who the fuck would will somebody to have two one leg? That's a stupid thing to will. Uh, so right. the answer sucked. The, the, there was no, there was nothing to justify what I found to be um, what seemed pretty awful. I mean, you know, you play with ants and you're wondering about their fate and you think about our, you know, you, you, I mean, I was, it just seemed natural for me to take the role of all the other things I saw in the world. I mean, I wasn't mm -hmm. pretending to be a piece of chalk, but I would sit there and say, I wonder what it'd be like to be an ant or to be this. And then you see their life and you say, my oh, shit, I really won't want to be one of them. They're, they're even in worse shape than I am. Right. So I guess I'm just saying I, I grew up quite cynical. I found um, the explanations of adults uh, ludicrous, right? <laughs> so I, I didn't know mm -hmm. what else of it they were so bizarre and so unsatisfactory to me that uh, although i i knew people somehow were really smart because they were able to drive cars and do all kinds of interesting things but at the same time i said they don't know what the hell they're doing what are they talking about what are yeah. they living for if they're just going to die why are they alive in the first place it just didn't it none of it there was no like two plus two equals four thing here it all looked like two plus two equals 17 and i was like this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it started. I mean, and so the rest right. of my life was just trying to fit in. And so you try to pretend to be a regular person and to try to say, okay, well, what am I going to do with my life? And maybe yeah. I can buy a junkyard someday. And maybe I can, you know, maybe I can, I don't, I never wanted to get married. So, I mean, the thought of even having a kid was like, why the hell would I want that trouble? 
Right. I, 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 you know, I didn't like me enough to say, oh, yeah, it'd be a great idea if I had, was responsible for me. Right. I had to worry about whether I was going to do something stupid, yeah. you know, break my leg or do some other kind of nonsense and cost a bunch of money. And I just saw me as a huge liability. So I didn't see how I wanted that liability. Why the hell would I have any of those things? I can't. There's nothing you can do with them. They're totally useless. They make a noise, make a mess. They're expensive. What good are they? Yeah. So I didn't get any of it. I didn't. So I didn't try to fit into some traditional mold, but I tried to say I tried to live for something, you know, so you live yeah. for a sunny day and, you know, thoughts of romance in the, you know, daisies or some kind of bullshit. You, you hope, for, oh, well, maybe I'll have a good day someday. Yeah. Um, and that's all you did. That's all I lived for. And um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's an excellent answer. Before you started to express your ideas in video forms, what other avenues did you did you have? Did you try? Um, I think in the past you mentioned that you used to write into like newspapers. You even created a pamphlet, I think, at some point. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what you tried back then? Yeah, well, you try anything. So yeah, so I <laughs> there's editorials in newspapers. So I would write an editorial now and then, you know, about how, you know, Reagan's full of shit or whatever thing that was sort of, you know, I could find a subject kind of related. The rich poor thing seemed very related to the um, why are you valuing um, silly, trivial crap when people are living and dying for 50 cents? You know, I mean, why, why am I valuing yacht making? I mean, yacht making isn't a great thing to be doing with your time. You should be making something better than yachts. It's a stupid thing to be making. Yeah. Like those kind of arguments. And uh, especially the right to die. I felt very um, yeah. resentful that these assholes in the world think they can tell me what my life is and what it's worth and why I should live it. And they don't have, they have, they're, they're living by a silly fable, a gingerbread story. And I'm, they're telling me I should build my house out of gingerbread and I should, you know, burn witches or do whatever, you know, <laughs> like, no, I don't want to, why should I have to live by your rules? And I thought I was entitled, desperately entitled, actually, uh, completely entitled, uh, if mm -hmm. I uh, to to make the decision to say get the hell out of here. Because from, by the time I was by the time I was five or six, I already, if they gave me the choice of a graceful exit, I would have taken it because I already smelled enough of this, this cesspool to know this wasn't going to end well. And um, so I was already looking for my way out. Yeah. And uh, I felt uh, I was very selfish, I guess, or very vain in the sense um, I didn't think I should be required to jump in front of a car or yeah. blow my brains out or do some violence to myself. I didn't hate me. I hated this scummy game you expected me to play. So right. I liked me. I thought I was pretty cool. If yeah. everybody else was <laughs> like me, I would have been pretty damn happy. Um, right. So I didn't hate myself. I didn't hate my existence. I, you know, as a personal thing, right. I hated the game. The game was stupid. I don't want to beat something up and be the winner. I right. don't want, you know, I have no interest in glory hunting and all this other crap. Um, I want to just get rid of all the potholes and make the surface smooth. And, you know, <laughs> I want to mm -hmm. take the obvious negatives out. I don't need the positives. I need removal of all these negatives. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I've seen a little bit of your like early attempts at, at communicating with the world about, you know, the way you feel and your ideas. I mean, some of your really old blogs are still up, like even from like, the, I think the late nineties. Um, so that's really interesting to get a window into. I mean, did you ever receive any kind of response from these early attempts of putting your, your thoughts out there? Yeah. Well, once the editorials always failed because the newspaper would re-edit them 
into so you couldn't even recognize that you wrote it. You're like, what the fuck? You know, I mean, it's like every other word was changed. It's like this isn't even what I said. Yeah. Uh, so I was seeing that as being kind of pointless. Why? Why? Why post an editorial where they're going to take all the nuts out of it anyway? So, um, so then I decided to do this. This just silly almost idea that you just i'll just send it out okay i'll just mail yeah. newsletters out to people so i would write on a subject like the right to die or economics or something like that and um i would just send it to random addresses out of the phone book and yeah uh, uh, yeah i got nothing back so you know it was a waste of money and time but um at least it made me feel like i'm doing something so right. it was it was better than having nothing to do um yeah and i have to admit um you know, when those efforts failed, though, I did kind of get discouraged and kind of just got lost in, yeah. um, you know, um, I had some lost years where, you know, I just didn't do anything valuable with my time. I just, yeah. I just, you know, mushed through it. Well, yeah, I think that would I think that would do that to most people. Um, I'd really like I'd really uh, just incidentally, I'd really like to see some of those older like newsletters and stuff that you did. Um, I, I've, I mean, aside from the blog post, I've never really seen any of the early stuff. So th that would be interesting if you still had any of it. Yeah, it's all somewhere. You know, I got some yeah. of it. <clears throat> some of it was by the time the computer age showed up, uh, you know, so I didn't right. have to keep it and all that kind of crap. So I did have some of it in the computer. So I still have some of the stuff. And so, yeah, maybe. Someday I'll publish some of that. Um, cool. Yeah, down the road. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think some of it had the kernels of the anti-natalist philosophy in mm -hmm. it, the right to die, just because to, to make the argument for the right to die, you sort of have to make the argument about how, um, you know, life without your addiction has no meaning, that the, the, the only value in this thing is the value you bring. You need it, so therefore you think it's needed by the universe. When right. No, once you're gone, there's no need for it. Nothing is saying, oh, we need that. There's just no need for it whatsoever, that we're generating the only the only cause, the only effect for the cause. You know what I'm saying? Once you yes. eliminate the, the need for the effect, you don't need the cause anymore. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, I do. I do. From what I've seen of the early stuff, I do remember there being some inkling of the of the antinatalism epilism in there already. Um, when did you start making videos? You, of course, started uh, your YouTube channel with your uploads of your first public access TV show in Mendham.com, the TV show. Um, but when did you start putting your, your thoughts into video form? Well, that was it. About 2003, okay. I think it was right. 2003. Three, I think you, I think you filmed. I'm trying to remember when. So YouTube started in 2006. Oh, right. I think I, done, I, yeah. Yeah, I did the public access show first. Right. So okay. that was like a two or three years before YouTube was just as soon as, yeah. as soon as I heard about YouTube, you know, they had some guy who was doing some kind of uh, mimicking to a song or something, some fat guy. Yeah. And it was funny. And so I, I saw a viral video on YouTube. And uh -huh. then so told me, hey, you can make videos on YouTube. And I said, what, you can just make videos? Okay, well, I'll do that. Broadcast um, yourself. Uh, yeah. So, so, um, so, yeah, so I had basically had some public access materials, you know, I had put on the, the local public access channel. And so I just took, I started by just taking that material and throwing it on YouTube. And 
I immediately just started making videos every week and then it was yeah. every day and then it was every hour and then it was you know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly um yeah I, I love that old show it's it's amazing to go back and watch that it was 12 years ago now which is incredible yeah so um, I guess it was 2013 that I I started on YouTube no no it has no to be no no it has to be 2007 I think I I feel seven? like you told I feel like you told me that the that the the TV show was filmed in 2005 at one point and yeah. maybe it was 2006 you started uploading I can't yeah, remember I should funny, know that but should I should remember this kind of thing but yeah it was like I should too, but, 14 you know. or 15 years ago anyway something yeah. like that yeah it, it's it's getting to that point anyway um, you are without question one of the pioneers of the response video format. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what inspired you to start making response videos and what you believe to be the value of that approach? Well, to me, it's an argument. So you have to have the argument with somebody. So, you know, it just makes sense to argue the argument. And so if somebody's making a sentence and a sentence is saying something and you know that sentence is garbage, then you argue the sentence and explain why it's a garbage sentence. Yeah. So I just um, I can't say I, I ever I mean, I watched some public television debates. You know, I watched Bill Buckley and different other um, yeah. institutions, you know, and you see how wrong so much of it was, you know, how badly it's done um, mm -hmm. because of the format. And they never really get to the subject. You know, they'll just gloss over like 10 different points and you'll say to yourself, well, nine of those points are like so trivial, who cares? And one of them is so important and they just glossed over it, you know, and that kind of thing. And I guess just living, the longer you live, the more you see it's the same old, same old, right? I mean, I would hear yeah. a, the arguments for abortion. You would hear the same freaking arguments year after year after year. And you're saying, how can this not advance at all? I mean, the yeah. argument always starts from the same place. It always ends in the same place. And you're just saying, how can it do that? Somebody's arguing wrong. Um, yeah. Because you can make fundamental points about how dare you tell me what I have to see when I see a fetus. You have no business telling me what a fetus is, that it has a right. soul and a spirit and all this other crap. You have no business telling me that because I'm going to tell you that biologically the pig you're eating has 900 million yeah. percent more conscious reality than that freaking fetus. So don't give me your lies. Yeah. Um, that should be the end of the argument right there is the how yeah. dare you argument. How dare you have such arrogance to tell me you know what the fuck you're talking about telling me there's a soul inside of something. Why the fuck should I ever have to see a soul? Now, it's one thing to tell me, well, don't molest kids and don't do this, don't do that. Yeah, I can yeah. see the reason for those. Don't run old people over in the street. Okay, you can make a logical argument. You have no logical argument to make defending the preciousness of freaking fetuses. It's a right. silly, stupid, idiotic argument. You have no right to tell me I have to see it your way. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, yeah, and of course you've, I mean, in, in that, um, subject and many others, I think your, your voice has always been a very unique and important one on YouTube and it, it definitely, uh, shook things up for certain. Um, I'm fairly certain that your first anti-natalistic, uh, video was sometime in 2007 or so. I think it might've been your video about It's a Wonderful Life. Um, and of course there was no real word, you know, used at the time at least widely on youtube uh to express this idea i mean what was the reaction back then when you first kind of brought up you know 
some form yeah, well, of this I, idea. Well, I, admit, I did have a thought process um, <clears throat> going on YouTube. I was a little bit careful about how I talked and what I yeah. said because you're you know you're going to be called crazy. You know they're going to try to get you. Yeah. You know you're going to piss people off, and so you're you know you go in kind of unaware of well how much trouble do I want to get in? Do I really want you know the cops coming to my door? Oh do yeah. I really want to get myself into some sort of situation so you're a little bit cautious so yeah I, I wanted to talk about the fact that I think life is cruel and that people who impose it are cruel they're mm -hmm. cruel sadistic awful human beings pregnant women are a blight they're a disgusting awful thing they shouldn't be cherished they shouldn't be any of this stuff what they're doing is incredibly irresponsible they have no right to think they can control this experiment and everything is going to be just fine. Um, so yes, bringing up this, the metaphors of Frankenstein, the ones you you did so well in the Ethel list of just Thank illustrating you. these simple metaphors, why I, I should not have any respect for Dr. Frankenstein's insane uh, perception that he's capable of being this, um, uh, um, you know, benefactor that he's going to do this wonderful thing for something by, um, you know, messing with shit he doesn't he hasn't had the competence to mess with. He has no skill, and yet he's going to claim, uh, "Oh, don't trust me. I can drive this plane." You know, it's like somebody saying they yeah. can fly a plane when they can't. You have no hope of doing it. Mm -hmm. How dare you? <laughs> you know, claim yeah. some right to do it. You have no right. Right. Uh, you know. So so um. So, yeah, I already knew this was going to be a really offensive. Once I started, I knew I could I, I'm just saying that all this I could just see because I had all this hate and contempt for yeah. these religious bastards and these silly fables and these bullshit stories and this happily ever after crap. And I knew I was going to be offensive. And so I was apprehensive about getting into it because to me it was really personal. Yeah, yeah. This had aggravated me my whole existence is these lies that these assholes claim authority. I have a right. What fucking right? From where did you get this right to eat animals? Where did you get these rights? Yeah. Okay, there are wrong behaviors and you're just going to say I have the right to do it. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. I didn't give you the fucking right. That's for goddamn sure. I didn't I didn't put my blessing on your behavior and say, fine, go ahead and do that. Um, so, you know, you have the, you have the obligation to defend it with something reasonable, yeah. defend it with a reasonable argument, explaining why you need to do this. Don't yeah. tell me you have a right. Well, I, for one, am, you know, and I know I'm not alone, very grateful that you took the chance on what the response was going to be. Um, yeah, uh, there is no question that you were the first antinatalist YouTuber. You may not have had a word yet to apply to this concept back then, um, but you had the first antinatalist YouTube channel, Just Say No to Kids, as far back as 2008. Um, so what was the response specifically to that channel back then? But I also connected to that. I think that channel specifically was the birth, <laughs> uh, to use that word, um, of the first, like, proto antinatalist community on YouTube. Um, so <laughs> I know what you think about that, but what do you think of the antinatalist community and how it's grown over the years? Uh, yeah, well, I'm not sure, you know, just yeah. what to think. Um, <clears throat> so you, you know, you can have common interest, you know, you, I mean, I, I hate to do, use the line, but I mean, you're doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. 
Well, yeah, that's nice and convenient when you're doing the same thing and you don't mind having some people doing it because you want to get the thing done, right? So, yeah, there's some people on your team who are doing it for the wrong reason. But the point is, is if you have more than one thing to get done, that's going to get you in trouble because those people aren't going to be on your side. And you gave them a gun and now they're going to shoot you. So I could say that sort of like I have had a lot of saboteurs in, in my history on YouTube, uh, yeah. backstabbers. And uh, to me, this is just setting yourself up to be stabbed in the back. Um, yeah. You know, lie yourself with people who really don't share your principles and don't share your your goals and don't share any of your fundamental logic. Yeah. Um, you're setting yourself up for having somebody that you gave power to that now is going to use that power to destroy you. So mm -hmm. um, I'm apprehensive about um a community that isn't based very on very rigid principles and yeah. recognizing you have to accept certain logical truths. And if you don't accept them, if you want to still be religious and still be this and still be that, don't yeah. do it somewhere else. Okay. Because I'm not going to give you a gun. I'm not going to give you a voice. I'm not going to give you power. Yeah. Um, because I, I have every, um, realistic, um, impression that when push comes to shove and it's time to finish this damn thing, you're going to turn on me. So the hell with you. Uh, well, anyway, I mean, so that's that impression has grown on me over time. Like, look, it started yeah. with derived energy. Look, he's the one who brought this word anti-natalism. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like the word. I think it sounds kind of queer and strange. And I didn't relate to it as a word in any way. And so I really don't like that we're stuck with it. OK, um, yeah, I, I don't I'm not saying effortless is a better word. It's also a silly word. So I'm just saying maybe there needs to be some better way to communicate this thing without making it sound either too complex or too trivial, you know? Right. Um, so, um, uh, you know, I'm not saying I have that language yet. Um, right. because this is about, um, it's about extermination. It's about a lot of negative words, but it's also about love and caring and yeah. empathizing yeah. and feeling their pain and recognizing that because you're immune doesn't mean everybody else is immune because you won doesn't mean everybody else gets to win. I mean, right. it's about so many things that are both positive and negative that I, I, you know, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard philosophy to put into one stupid stinking word and say, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. But again, I'll say for the sake of saying it, that um, although derived energy was somebody I really appreciated as a human being, lots of things about him I liked. Yeah. He was anti-natalist for what I consider to be completely irrational reasons. Okay. I mean, no logic yeah. involved yeah. at all. He was a nihilist who didn't give a fuck about anything's welfare. And yeah. he just didn't think it was any point in making humans. Well, so what? I don't care about something where there's no point in making them. I care about cleaning up messes. If it's not making a mess, I don't care. So if I didn't feel their pain, if I didn't worry about their pain, I didn't worry about my pain, then why the hell would I give a shit if it's a bad painting? If no one has to look at it, who cares? So, I mean, it didn't yeah. seem like a rational argument to me. There's no rational argument in saying don't paint bad paintings. Well, there's no rational argument if nobody has yeah. to look at them. All right. right. So if no one's going to be tortured by the bad paintings, why should I care? So anyway, I had to separate myself from that antinatalism. Yeah. Because it wasn't, it wasn't anything I believed in. So that's why I became effortless is because right, right. I'm not that kind of antinatalist. I'm not in it for that. I don't care about it for that. And it's the right, same reason right. I don't go walk around saying I'm vegan or vegetarian or caring about those subjects because there's way too many people who are show vogue, vogue vegan. You know, they're 
they, they like being vegan because their clothes fit better. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. they're healthier or something. And I'm like, well, that's fine. That's a fine reason, but it has right, absolutely right. nothing to do with why I'm vegan. Right. All right. <laughs> because right. I wouldn't do it to look better. And I wouldn't do it for all of those reasons, but I would do it because, um, you know, it's a harm and it causes pain and suffering. And that's the only good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. About derived energy. I mean, it, it is a unfortunate situation with, with him because, you know, I, I, I do have a tremendous amount of affection for the guy and he died horribly and we all, you know, we know what happened it was awful, but you know, yeah, he was also a moral nihilist and it is unfortunate that, um, you know, as we were saying earlier, that antinatalism or anti-procreation, let's just say for the for the sake of using a different word right now, um, is big tent and that we are all kind of stuck with each other and that we do have this kernel of a similar idea. But the rest of it's a fucking mess and we can't agree on anything. And um, I, I do respect, you know, your um decision to kind of cut away, you know, uh, because you do want this thing to be the best that it can be and you want it to stand for the right things. And I also want that too. I guess my, my, um, I just, I want to try to speak to as many people that are like-minded as possible because I want to try to convince them to, uh, adapt a more fully, um, I, I want them to try to accept the antinatalism or anti-procreation for what I know it needs to be and not, you know, the the lazy ways that it can kind of fall into. Yeah, well, I, I'd still say they're not parallel staircases. They only look that way. Um, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's too little a similarity to be worth the liability is how I'm looking at it. So, yeah, I'm saying somebody can disagree. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just saying I can't see any any logic in having fundamentally different principles in saying you're fighting for the same thing because we're just not, um, we're yeah. not on the same side. Okay. It's, it's like, uh, you know, you can make justifications for all kinds of things about all kinds of subjects and politics and whatnot, where you can find where people are allied. They, they end up doing the same thing or voting for the same thing. Like, you know, some sort of tax on cigarettes, for example, mm -hmm. uh, you could have somebody who's making a rational argument. Oh yes. Well, we've got to make it so kids can't afford them or this kind of argument or that kind of argument. But you know, you also have people who are just taxing it because they don't want to be taxed. And so they're looking for somebody else to get the money. Yeah. You know, so it has nothing to do with any principles. And um, I'm just right. saying, I, I think that always ends up, it always ends up that what happens in the end? Well, the end is they had a, a good intention at the beginning, but yeah. clearly at the end, now it just is, we need more revenue. Where can we get it? Well, let's, let's fuck those people that can't complain. So let's screw mm -hmm. them again, you know, <laughs> let's screw them again. Let's screw them again because there is no party that's going to protect them. You know, both parties hate them, so they have no political viability, so we can just crucify them. And that's all you see. You know, you just see mm -hmm. that the bad guys win in the end that way because there was no principle that was really the principle isn't what created the motivation. And I yeah. could argue this happens like even with people who are empathetic, um, you know, people who yeah. worry about stray cats. Right. They worry about stray cats. So they come up with this insane policy where they have to preserve every single life and they have to save its life and they'll do surgeries on them. They'll spend preposterous amounts yeah. of money on one dog, right? One sick dog. They'll pay, a, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to save one sick dog. And you're saying, how, what principle is here? There's no principle. They're not trying to save this. They're not trying to prevent 
the the feral animal problem because they're squandering the resources so aggressively and they're also being so overtly imposing they're you know they're they're forcing the animals to have surgery forcing them to do a bunch of stuff to yeah. to to satisfy this quota of throwing and then throwing them back on the street to die horribly yeah. <laughs> and say, oh i saved them yeah I, no, rescued, it's disgusting. I rescued an animal yeah. you rescued it how Right. What did you put it through to rescue it? I frankly don't rescue me. If that's what rescuing is, I don't like it and I wouldn't want it. Please. Yeah. So no, I'm just I, saying. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Bad principles can really screw up a, a, a function. And uh, you can even look at the right to die movement, right? A lot of states have decided, oh, yes, we're for the right to die. They have no, you have no right to die. It's all paper. It's, it's, a, it's a legal theory that you have the right to die. It's not a real theory. And you're yeah. going to have to get really lucky that your doctor will say, yes, you can shoot you him up with more morphine. Because if you decide to shoot him up with more morphine on your own, you're going to get arrested. Um, yeah. It's still yeah. a terrible line you have to draw. And it's it all fakes and it's all based on lies. Um, you know, they, they, they call it, uh, oh, pain mitigation, <laughs> you know, no, you're killing the fucking person and you're just lying about what you're doing. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's so bad. And so, but you know what, the, the cause seems like everybody, oh, it's solved. We've solved the problem. Right. Yeah, right. Come I hear that all the time. With the mentally ill, um, yeah. minors, you haven't touched the subject of the right to die. You haven't even come right. close to recognizing and respecting people's uh, autonomy, their right to decide for themselves what's going to happen to them, what contracts they have to sign. You yeah. are still forcing people to stand in a stupid line to get on a stupid ride they don't want to ride on. What the yeah. fuck? And right. so it's, right. I'm just saying... That's where my animosity for big tent comes from. Is every, I understand. Every I time there's a big fucking tent, the assholes end up owning it. Yeah. No, I, I, I respect what you're saying. And, and maybe I, you know, it's something I have to give more thought. And, you know, I maybe I'll, I'll come around to more of uh, that way of. I mean, I do understand what you're saying, and maybe I'll come. Uh, look, you know, the other part of it is I'm a fucking nerd. You know, I, lo I love this topic. So right, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. I'm not saying it hurts. I'm just yeah. saying. I, I, where am I going to invest my energy? I'm just saying I'm not going to invest my energy in people who say they're on my side. They have to show me they're on my sure. side. That's all I'm saying. So when they, as soon as they show me some indication that they ain't getting it, I have a right to say, well, you can't ride my boat, okay? I, I, yeah. My boat has more important things to do than the, your stupid fishing agenda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. Absolutely. Um. Gary, I'm curious. I know this is kind of a non sequitur, but Gary, I'm curious. Do you know by chance how many videos you've made over the years? Oh, who cares? But it's like <laughs> 6,000, 7,000. Who cares? Something oh, like it's it's well over 10,000. Not oh, not okay. even including. Oh. Yeah, it's okay. insane. It's amazing. Uh, I don't know how you've done it. But anyway, um, there was a brief period of time, um, honestly, where like most of your I just want people to know this, basically. Uh, but there was a there was a brief period of time where honestly, like most of your content was missing in action. Um, you've just had like an unbelievably turbulent history on YouTube. I mean, lawsuits, channels removed, videos censored. The Do Not God channel was destroyed. The Amendum channel was like missing for a full year. Um, and I'm just curious, I mean, as as your archivist, um, what do you believe is the best solution for preserving your video work? 
Oh, well, yeah, I certainly can't depend on a corporation, that's for sure. Yeah. So you have to try to keep it, you know, redundancy is the way to you win. So have it on an SD card somewhere and have it on a hard drive somewhere and then have it on a, the cloud somewhere. And you have to just make it so they can't destroy it. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I, you know, you sort of some of that is taken care of a little bit just because obviously yeah. more than just you saves videos. There's other yeah. people who like some of and especially, you know, they're sort of selective, so they save it the good stuff. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. so yeah. in some sense it's a way of filtering the archive because maybe half the archive could burn in a fire and I wouldn't care, you know, because half the archive are pretty sloppy videos. But um yeah, you know, um uh, like I see, you know, it's it's all subject to being redone by somebody doing it better. Um, so I'm not too worried. Um, yeah. Uh, frankly, but I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, I have a fan to fall back on, so I don't have to be worried, right? Because I don't have to do it. <laughs> well, <laughs> you have to be a little bit worried because I've certainly, uh, I've certainly not gotten a ton done in the last couple of years. Um, but I, you know what, I, uh, well, I don't have to use this part, but I do have a plan moving forward for that. So I'll, you know, I'll talk to you more about that later. Um, so moving on just to, uh, you know, you you have um, I, I don't even know that, you know, most people are even aware right at this point, um, but you've truly covered like an incredible number of subjects over your uh, 12, 13, 14, however long it is years uh, on YouTube and other platforms, the right to die, animal rights, uh, democratic reform, physics, economics, education reform, the list goes on and on. Um, I wish we had like more time to discuss each um, and, you know. Perhaps that's uh, that that would be a goal for another another podcast episode. There's just two, you know, of your previous projects that I wanted to talk a little bit about. Um, the one is the, you know, one of besides uh, some of the the subjects that we more frequently talk about. One of the subjects that you used to talk a lot about that really like attracted me to your content was this idea of creating a non-commercial alternative for video sharing. Um, can you just talk a little bit about? this project and like whether you still kind of think it's possible i mean there was a there was a period of time where like a, i felt like a lot of people were trying and there were a lot of these like little you know independent kind of video sharing sites you you even had one at one point the the old blogger dome website that people could um contribute to so um you know why do you think that's kind of dried up and do you think that there is a way moving forward for that kind of project well, I, I'd say it's there's a sort of necessary thing where you say, look, you know, you have to have a place where you're not allowing corporations to make uh, in the corporate interest decisions, right? So, I mean, um, because, yeah, they don't have an obligation to understand the U.S. Constitution at all. You know, they don't have to. They don't have to really worry about this idea that the majority will try to shout down the minority and try to shut them up. So, yes, you have to have some mechanism to in some absolute sense, force people to take responsibility for what they produce and only them to be responsible for it, right? So I can yeah. say something like, I sure hope you die soon, um, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, I can say that as long as I, there's no evidence that I'm a psychotic who's going to come to your house and kill you soon. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? I mean, and those distinctions are fairly easy to make and corporations are afraid to make them. OK, they're afraid to side on the side of, oh, we let a loony get away with something. So they have to draw the line in this preposterous place that it doesn't belong because there are people who will use the N word and they mean it. You know, like I'm going to tie yeah. you to the back of my truck and kill you, you right. know, and and so obviously 
this connection to the rhetoric and the actual actions of people, there is a connection. And yeah. you can't deny the existence of the connection. So they have some right uh, corporately to say, I don't want to be anywhere close to tying people to the back of pickup trucks. OK, I yeah. just don't yeah. want to be anywhere close to that. Mm -hmm. um, so I can understand that. But the point is, is you know, that's the failing of our capitalist system is it puts everything in the control of people who have financial and special interest. And instead, it should be ours. It should be something we own, something the people own, like a public library or any other kind of functional part of society in the past. Right. I mean, I'm yeah. not saying libraries have any value now. I'm just saying they clearly played a very important role for mm -hmm. decades. And the same is true with the Internet. We should have some sort of non-commercial alternative, right? I mean, Google yeah. was organized under that framework, right? That's exactly yeah. what they said in their founding documents, a non-commercial mm -hmm. alternative. And yet it turned into the worst kind of capitalist horror co company you could have. Yeah. So, you know, we're not going to get it from this. These these little startups are always run by somebody and the somebody always has a financial interest. Right. So until yeah. a not for profit does it, there's no point in investing in it. It has to be done under the strict rules that you're not in it for the money. You're not yeah. in it to rape and pillage. You're not in it to control. You're in it to provide a function that is not being provided by corporations. So, yes, until it's provided under those terms, it, in my opinion, is useless. Now, I would argue that this is a function that government should provide. We it Just yeah. as government paves sidewalks, government should pave our public places of expression. So we should have a nice public square that is nicely paved where we go with our little bullhorn and say our little spiels and uh, exercise our right to tell you you suck and that you're an asshole and that I hate the I hate what you I hate your shoes. I think your sunglasses are crookedy and stupid looking. I think your hairdo is garbage. I mean, we have to have a place where we can say, I don't want to play your stupid fucking game. I don't like what you think. I don't like what you do. Um, mm -hmm. And it's going to be offensive. And so, yeah, you don't go there if you don't want to be offended. Right. Um, <laughs> but that's what they so I'm saying, yes, the protection has to be in just giving us a fair deal. So I always want the public option. Now, the most people are afraid of government. Governments are mm -hmm. conspiring to kill them. It's doing all this shit. So yeah. all the morons have bought all this propaganda that the government's the enemy. No, it's we the people. It's in the document. We have yeah. the right. We have the power, we have the vote, and we waste it on special interest crap. And instead, mm -hmm. we should be exercising our right not to be exploited by rich capitalist whore pigs. And right. so the simple solution is to have a, a public alternative. And you don't have yeah. to buy it. You don't have to go there, right? I want a public mm -hmm. McDonald's, so to speak. I want a public everything. Yeah. Yep. Right. I want the option to buy the generic, simple, just give me a fair deal, motherfucker choice. All right. I yep. want to go to a car dealership where they have no interest in selling cars. They just provide you the option to buy one at a fair price. Right. So I want right. to buy my server space. I want to buy my my Internet connection. I want to pay for it all. But I don't want to pay for anything else. I don't want to pay for CEOs and I don't want to pay for stockholders and I don't want to pay for a bunch of other assholes who want to whore for money. Advertising. I want to pay, I want to pay for the worker who installs it. I want to pay for the guy running the server. I want to pay for the guy who made the server. 
I don't want to pay anything else. I don't see any reason why I should have to pay anything else. Running a corporation is not brain surgery. You just hire somebody and the guy who's good at managing, you make him the manager, right? I mean, yeah. it's really not that complicated. You don't need to brain surgeon to run a freaking company. So yeah, get rid of all the bloated top, all the profiteering, and just have the people who actually do the hard work and actually earn the good salary and pay them. Let me just pay people who really did work, not paying some profiteering money whore, uh, rich bastard who's using it as an investment opportunity. Fuck him. Yeah, very well said. Okay, thank you. Uh, that was an excellent answer. Um, so I wanted to talk to you briefly about Vloggerdome. Uh, Vloggerdome is a thing, an idea, a project that has had many different iterations over the years. It was a website. It was a series of artistic videos that you did at one point. Uh, and it was also a public access TV show that you and I produced together. Um, I want. I would like to just ask you sort of what the idea behind Vloggerdome uh, was meant to be. We weren't truly able to achieve what I think we wanted with that with the original idea that you had had the the whole idea of two you know um two ideas enter one idea leaves uh just like the thunderdome um but you know yeah so i wanted to just sort of get to, uh you know your definition of what that project was and also um you know if you ever would like to do something like that again and what you would do differently a second time around yeah well i think it has to be reborn um yeah. I guess it's a sort of a statement that, um, you know, I had to re-register the domain name and I chose not to. Because, oh, really? Yes. Just just because, um, yeah, clearly people aren't ready for this. You know, the, this yeah. idea is somehow obnoxious to them because they don't they they want to always have an unfair fight and they always want to cheat. So yeah. I, I don't think they want a straight up battle between two honest men to see who wins. You know, they mm -hmm. want to give one of them brass knuckles. They, they, they want the white guy to win. You know, this kind of bullshit. Yeah. They have their biases. And if they can't, if their biases can't be exercised, they don't want the event to take place. They want to control the outcome, I think, way too much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I don't think there's any honest arguments. Obviously, there's never an argument between an atheist and a Christian where the atheist says, I hate your fucking guts. Get off my fucking back. You have no right to control my life, you motherfucking cunt. What gives you the authority to sit there and tell me I have to believe in your fucking God or I have to even respect your fucking God? Right. I don't have to do any of that motherfucking shit. You wear your fucking garb in front of me. If I wore a fucking shirt that says, fuck you in the ass till dead, Okay, you'd have me thrown in fucking goddamn jail, you motherfucker. I hate you. I hate what you believe. I hate what you cherish. I hate what you love. Everything uh, about your life is an abomination to me. Now, that yeah. debate never takes place, right? No, Instead, no. They have to have some pretend <laughs> debate about, oh, you're not really malicious, uh, sadistic, weaselly, money-whoring little cunts. Yeah. Religious fucks, right? You preach this crap and you don't even believe it. You cheat on your fucking wives. You molest kids. You do all kinds of horse shit. This whole thing is a fucking fable you tell. You think everybody else needs religion. That's why you're for it, right? That's how cynical the religious people are. They don't actually believe in this stupid fable. They think the dumb masses need the fable or they'll be terrible, mean people. They'll do horrible, mean things if they're not afraid of their boogeyman God. It's all yeah. a big fucking lie. 
and these arrogant little putzes walk around thinking they have some sort of we should bow to them, this fucking Dalai Lama bullshit. Fuck you. That's the only thing I have to say to these religious assholes. Yeah. Fuck you and your arrogance and your stupidity and your ignorance. You're humiliating human intelligence. You're making us look like assholes. Mm-hmm. If aliens came here with a religious fable, you don't think we'd be like, what the fuck? You flew all across the galaxy to tell me some stupid fable about little heaven gods and little magic gremlins. And I mean, if they came here and did that, right, somebody should make that sci-fi movie and everybody would just be aghast and like, you know, this, this is this movie sucks because the aliens are retarded. Yeah. No, I I think you're right. I mean, I think I think it, it may very well be true that people are not. It is ahead of its time in the sense that people are not ready for any kind of you know honest debate, and people always want to sit on the fence or just not have it at all. And I mean, we do live in a culture where even reality TV is scripted, and so people do are always it's trying all to professional sort of professional wrestling. Yeah. It's all yeah, fake yeah, it's all battles, fake. fake warriors, fake histories, yeah. fake everything. And then yeah. yes, that's what the debate ends up being is some academic pile of crap. Yeah. You know, so sterile and so distant from the actual things that are happening, you right. know, uh, that, uh, yeah, wh- wh- what what purpose is that kind of debate? I'm not saying people should just yell, I hate you at each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you have to be rational arguments, but I'm just saying there are a tremendous number of rational arguments that can be pointed out how religious people's behavior is sadistically evil. I mean, it is imposing harm. They are not saving the poor. They are not saving the sick. They are imposing torture on them. They should see them. They should be seen for the Mengelesque horrors that they are. They spend all this money on their fucking cathedrals and the hypocrisy of it. Don't no engraven images. They got engraven images all over the fucking place. Yeah. And we should be at a point finally where we can say that without, uh, without much trouble, but it, it is it is an incredible shame that we apparently are not. So well, I'm supposed, to, yeah. like I said, I'm supposed to hate the rapist. Well, why should I hate him more than I hate these other people who are causing so much more harm? Yeah, yeah. Sure, I mean, they're sure. torturing people. The rapist is just looking to get off. So I mean, some rapists are pretty benign, right? I mean, they just tackle the woman, say, you know, I just need something to, you know, hump, and then I'll be all out of your way. <laughs> you know, so I mean, it could be semi-benign rapist, right? No. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it's semi-benign in the sense that they're not uh, shitting in your throat or something. So I yeah, mean, but they're still violating. Relevant. I mean, no well, woman wants I, I'm to. I'm saying I don't see that as meaning anything. I'm just saying the real harm is the real harm. So yes, it depends on the victim, of course, how much harm it's going to be too. Um, you know, their disposition. I'm just trying to say that there's clearly proportional relationship between what I'm supposed to hate in the world. And the stuff that I think is so much worse. So, you know, so even you could argue about this whole coronavirus. I mean, you know, 10,000, more than 10,000 people a year die from food poisoning from seafood. And that's every year. All right. For the last, like you say, the last 30 years, that's 300,000 people. Nobody panics. Nobody worries. You come up with a way of fixing it, like irradiating it, you know, which would cure it. And people run away from it like, oh, no, I can't, you know, you know, it's completely um, harmless. If you're smart, you understand how harmless it is. And yet it gets rid of all the bacteria, solves the problem. No solution. But they'll so they accept those deaths. Those deaths are somehow okay, Mm -hmm. You know, but uh, these new deaths. No, no, they're really important. Yeah, there is a double standard for sure. 
Um, my yeah. point about the fact that if people die in an airplane crash, right, they throw flowers in the ocean for years. They all show yeah. up yearly, throw flowers in the ocean for the poor, horrible tragedy. What? They died instantly. <laughs> they, you know, they had, what, 20 seconds to think about it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they're out of the game. They're out of, you know, they, they're spared having cancer, spared having a divorce, spared their kids hating them, spared all kinds of grief that their life was going to become anyway. Um, and, you know, they, they think this is the worst tragedy that ever freaking happened was these people, you know, because they died spectacularly. And that's all they died with a big flash. And so they won't yeah, pay attention. Yeah. But all the kids crippled in drunk driving accidents. Fuck them. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> no, it, it's absurd. It's absurd the way that we value some death or some experience. And, you know, it, it, I think some of that does come from the fact that most people just are not valuing suffering. If we valued the suffering over spectacularness or the the uh the, the the what is the word i'm looking for this this the spectacle of some death um yeah just people uh, are I, valuing I, the wrong ends of things and it, uh, it, i think there uh, people aren't valuing at all because i think they're so myopically stuck in their selfish narrative the only story yeah. they know is their story you know their little three pig story and they don't really relate to any story there's seven billion other stories being written and they just couldn't give a shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. They can't relate it to their life. They don't think their life is going to continue into the future in the sense that they're going to wake up as some kid in Bangladesh, um, you know, that's going to die when he's 13 in a rug factory or something. They somehow don't see any connection, any continuity between the experience. Right. Uh, right. Waking up, waking up in America as the son of a rich man and waking up in, you know, in Indonesia, the son of a lunatic. Vastly different experiences. Yeah, no, it's true. And they, don't connect. Right. they just have they don't. no connection. They don't connect to it. The fact that it's happening right now. Right now, there's there's individuals living and dying in, in horrible circumstances. They can't connect to them and they mm -hmm. can't even connect to the fact that. What do they think? They're going to keep waking up as the slave owner and they're yeah. never going to wake up as a slave. They're always going to be born out of the good vagina and they're never going to be born out of the shitty vagina. Right. I mean, so I'm just saying they have no philosophical depth. They have yeah. no capacity to understand anything because they've never thought a philosophical thought in their stupid, idiotic, retarded, ignorant lives. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's true. Um... So just moving on to another one of the topics that you cover uh, pretty pretty fantastically in depth. Uh, I, I am sorry to say I am truly incapable of having a discussion about your physics theories with you, um, so I won't try. <laughs> um, but I, it should be noted that this has become a huge part of the content that you produce. It always has been, really. Um, uh, but my friend Andreas Moss uh, had an interesting question I just wanted to uh, take the time to ask real quick. Uh, Andreas asks, does his ideas of physics relate at all to his thoughts on ethylism, or are they 100% separate? Yeah, I see it as all the same story. So they're all stories you're telling about an obvious thing you've noticed, okay, about, so I'm making an obvious commentary on life by pointing out, I don't get you people, right? I don't get what you're telling me. You're telling me this is precious. I should love every experience. Kids are fun somehow. They're not a insane worry like if i had a kid i was supposed to just let it run around on the sidewalk and i shouldn't think about what if it trips and it scrapes its face off you know i shouldn't worry and i'm saying well that story doesn't make any sense to me so physics is just another way of saying 
they have a story and it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, it's based on just notions that somebody had and they made the notions into special little totem poles and they now can only decorate the totem pole. Anything new has to fit with their totem pole ideas. And mm-hmm. it's exactly comparable to religion. It's exactly comparable to um, what you would call culture. You know, a yeah. bunch of iconic nonsense, a bunch of rituals. I mean, you like the, the Asian cultures, you know, they have these silly rituals. They, they're, they're smart enough to say everything's bullshit, but they still go ahead and do it, right? They go through mm-hmm. the motions of making their little paper thing and then catching it on fire and saying, look, I made the boogeyman go away. Even though yes. they don't believe it. They don't even believe it. They just do it because it's some sort of tradition. Um, so to me, it's all the same subject. If you can't convince them of one, you can't convince them of the other. And I guess I'm sort of saying is once I can get people to understand that physics isn't isn't a escape hatch. Physics isn't going to create your little happily ever after story. Yeah, physics yeah. is directly connected to chemistry and directly connected to biology. And that once you get the right story on physics, then you can get the right story on chemistry and biology, and you can realize what the hell the universe is doing. Okay, and it's not doing anything smart because it doesn't have anything called a brain. It can't possibly do anything that's smart. It can only have bad ideas realistically, just like a million monkeys can only type crappy Shakespeare. They're Mm -hmm. not going to type great Shakespeare, okay? It's going to be to be our finger in your nose. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's going to be shitty Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thank you for that answer. Um, so, Gary, let's talk some Ephelism. So, Ephelism is your version of this antinatalistic uh, idea. Uh, it first, you, you first kind of came up with it in uh, September of 2011, I do believe it was. I think, I think the birth date of Ephelism was, two, uh, was uh, September 2nd, 2011, if I'm not mistaken. Well, well uh, let me just correct you that the birth was, for me personally, was uh, 1964. Sure, yeah. yeah. So, so, so yeah. Ephelism was born then. It only had yeah. the Ephelism in whatever, 2000 uh, whatever. 2011. Right. I, I meant on YouTube, but of course, yes, it is It is as old as you are, uh, as your understanding. Um, so, but this all came about uh, on YouTube after a long series that you started in April of the same year, the legendary DNG debate series, which I wish more people would watch, um, which really was the start of this explosion of interest in the subject of antinatalism on YouTube. Um, and again, this was all slightly before the word antinatalism started being used widely. Um what, in your opinion, is Ephelism? How should it be defined? And how is it different uh, or the same uh, as antinatalism? Well, like I say, it's all the same um, anti-lifeism that I've carried with me my whole life. So it's absolutely nothing different. So nothing changed to say, oh, it's time to be Ephelist. Or mm-hmm. I advanced to Ephelism. I didn't advance there. It's sure. the, the real point. Again, the only reason why I made up the word was to make a distinction between my version of anti-lifeness yeah. and the version being spouted by other people. So uh, I, we weren't the same thing. We we're both anti-life, but therefore the, for the wrong reasons, in my opinion. So I had to call myself something else, so I called myself something else. So that's all I'd say. It's just a word. There's no there's no ephelism. There's just this, obviously, this principled philosophy that's based on this first do no harm thing. Yeah. And, 
um, that's all it really is. It's that simple. Um, your first obligation is to torture nothing. If you have to torture something, then you're going to have to justify what you're doing. Okay, it's going to have to. You're going to have to come up with some reason, and the only good reason to torture something is because you can prevent more torture. Right. So, uh, frankly, there's no, there's nothing else to fix the torture. You don't have a right to do something unless you can prove that it's worth the torture. And I would argue that no human activity, except those that intend to prevent harm, mm -hmm. are capable of defending to be defended. You just can't defend them if you're going to create a victim. You can never go to the fun park by tying one of the kids up and throwing him in the trunk and saying to him, shut up, don't complain. Right. Now, you're not allowed to force one person to have a bad time so you can have a trivial good time ever. It's right. just freaking wrong okay yeah. Yeah. you can tie somebody up and you can torture them you can beat the crap out of them if it's going to prevent somebody else tomorrow from getting the crap beat out of them then you can you can make a rational argument but otherwise there's no rational argument to cause any dissension whatsoever for any of this ill-gotten happy fun gains your happy fun right. gains do not compensate for somebody else's pain and suffering it right. never ever 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 is mathematically reasonable that's ephilism right. right okay thank you for that yeah i mean ephilism did create one truly incredible distinction i mean the vast history of of anti-percutive thought throughout time has been very humanocentric it's been about the humans and uh you know we'll, we'll talk a little bit about david benatar in a minute i mean he did he did mention the, I mean, he is, he is a sentiocentric antinatalism in that, you know, he, he says that he is, and he did put it a little bit in better never to have been, but Ephilism is the only version of antinatalism that has ever, um, that has ever refused to separate, um, the consideration from the animals, from the consideration of the humans. It is, it is the only purely, uh, sentiocentric version of this line of thinking, I think ever, I think the only other antecedent might be, uh, Al Almaari, who you know is like an ancient you know philosopher, and I mean you have to go back so far in history to to see any little piece of that uh, happen before. Um, so I know that you watched our or listened to our our interview on this podcast with David Benatar, um, and I, you did make a video about that, so you have shared your thoughts on it. Um, but, you know, since that interview, a lot of people on various, you know, social media groups around the subject have, you know, been asking sort of the question like, well, if David Benatar says that he's a sentiocentric antinatalist, then like, what's the point of ephilism? Um, so I'm wondering what you, would, what you would say to that. Um, well, I mean, clearly he doesn't argue from that position. Right, so exactly. that's the clear thing that's missing. He's making an argument as if most humans recognize that they're animals trapped in a terrible maze game that doesn't make any sense and that there's no profit to be made and you're just going to make a bloody mess. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a meat grinder. You're going to get just ground up and all you're doing is dancing on top of the meat grinder, you know, as the bodies grind, just waiting for your turn for your foot to get trapped and you get ground up. So that metaphor is a real metaphor. Now, if that was what's in people's heads and they understood that, well, it's the same goes for animals, as Benatar says. Mm -hmm. But that's not what they're seeing. Okay, so that's yeah. 
there's no point in you telling me the image of the picture when you don't describe any element of the picture having an animal in it. Okay, so Benatar never makes the argument from dog or cat or mouse yeah. or he never makes it from gazelle to crocodile to this to that. So there's no evidence that he has any real deep that any of the metaphors or any of the stories that run through his head to make it understood futility and waste, yeah. that any of those victims are uh, anything other than a human victim. So right. I'm saying, fine, I'm, I'm very happy that he put the sentence in his book saying everything I'm going to say about humans goes for animals too, but mm. it was one freaking sentence. And I don't think it gets to the point that life is the problem, yeah. not the way humans are doing it. I mean, humans suck at it, no doubt yeah. about it. We're liars, cheaters, connivers. But just think if elephants were in charge, what do you think they would do? If great white sharks got smart first, what do you think they would be doing? Right. You know. I mean, they'd have the same vices we have. They'd be they'd be just as selfish as we are, right? And if they if they were ants or bees, they'd be even more maniacal, right? Because then they would think this caste system made sense, where you have kings and queens, and you have drones, and yeah, you know, you have disposable people, and you know, they have yeah. horrible ethics. So it, it just whoever, whatever was going to get intelligent first on this planet, okay? If there is such a a a necessary end like i said it's only happened the one time i don't think it happens okay it's any mm -hmm. probable event i think it's a very improbable event but regardless um we're not doing any worse than any other animal would have done it imposed you know who had to do this learning thing yeah and we're just doing it badly but they'd all do it badly they'd all learn very slowly the tyrannosaurus would take a very long time before he'd be sitting in his chair drinking his tea with his little pinky out going Oh, we really are horrible animals, aren't we? We're really torturing way too many animals. Oh, the blood and the horror. Oh, it would take them a very long time before they would become civilized. And it's yeah. taken us a very long time to become civilized. And I'm arguing, well, I was born that way. Okay, I came out that way. So as much as I don't sound like a nice, decent, friendly human, I'm fucking civilized because I know the difference between trivial fun and horrible torture. And you idiots don't seem to get that difference. Right. Um, my next question might be a bit uh, redundant. Don't worry about answering it. If you if you do, I'll just ask it anyway, just in case there's something uh, to be gained from it. Um, can uh, Could you reflect a little bit on what the biggest differences and similarities between yourself and David Benatar's views are? Oh, well, I'd say I, I've lived mine. You know, uh, uh, I've I've been carrying this my whole life. So my objection to life, and it's a passionate objection. It's not at all, yeah. you know, wishy washy, or it's not some sort of well. I calculated it on my computer, and I found that there's a fifty-eight to forty-seven percent inequity, and blah blah blah. You know, it isn't some sort of clinical decision. Oh, it's uh, you know, it's marginally over the line. You know, and that sort of Benatar is comfortable enough in his life, I suppose. And this is a theoretical, logical argument he stumbled mm -hmm. on. So he likes it as a philosophical poser, you know, to say, well, what if there really isn't any God? It really is evolution and the whole system is kind of stupid. and We're just chasing our own tail. Mm -hmm. What if that's actually true? So I can see somebody doing that as an academic exercise. But again, yeah. what I would say that Benatar hasn't struggled holding the gun to his head you know he hasn't struggled 
as a kid holding a steak knife to his chest and just saying, all I got to do is run into that wall and I'm done. Mm -hmm. I don't think Benatar has faced the edge of the knife. So I don't think he knows quite exactly what really is at stake. Maybe enough of his relatives haven't died badly. Maybe he hasn't seen just quite enough of the horror, but I just don't feel the passion in his argument. I feel it as a... Yes, it's really, he's really articulate. He talks really nice. I love listening to him. Yeah, I do But, but, you know, and he's very witty. He's very quick. Yeah, Uh, yeah, absolutely. He's functioning very, he's very high functioning. Yes. As a debater and an argumenter, really quality stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't feel his pain. I don't feel his passion. I don't feel his necessity. And you can see it in his rhetoric of futility. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we're not going to win this war. We're just in this for the conversation, for fuck's sake. Yeah, so we're just having a philosophical conversation because we're really not going to blow the world up. We're really not going to solve the problem. We're really not going to end the animals where they're sacrificing 2,000 of their children to have one reach maturity. We're not going to go rescue them. We're just going to say, go ahead, live in that forever. Um, no, right. we're not. Right. I mean, his defeatism is evidence of his just... Oh lack of any kind of passion because if you thought it was hopeless you'd kill yourself there would be no alternative if you thought it was hopeless for fuck's sake yeah he so, so he's a very the thing that that um puzzles me about david benatar is that like he's and he has his reasons and i don't you know i i try not to they're his reasons and I respect them, but like, you know, he is very guarded about his personal experiences. And I feel like he, he, he may have that passion somewhere, but like he cuts it out purposely, I think because there's all of this, I don't know the correct word to attach to it. Well, Nervousness or I can cut that short. I'm sorry. I, I mean, no, it's yeah, okay. right. obviously people do that because they don't want the subject to be, Oh, I have a personal trauma. Right, oh, right. I have yeah. a personal problem. But I think know? he does I that per- to a detriment of the subject a lot. Well, I, again, I'm just going to argue that he he, he clearly, I, I can't imagine him having some special animal uh, interaction, <laughs> you know, like where he had a best friend that was a lion and the lion had a really bad time and his tail fell off and died. Um, where he got this sense of appreciation. I'm just saying I don't yeah. feel that he has real empathy for the laboratory mice right now or having ears sewn on their asses. I yeah. don't think he really gets that, that that abomination, that thing is just as bad as watching his father die of cancer. That right. you can't make these silly comparisons and say, I'm going to pretend that sentience doesn't exist because it doesn't know how to count to seven. Oh, it doesn't know how to count to seven. Therefore, it doesn't feel it doesn't suffer. It doesn't know um, struggle and fear and anguish. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I mean, I, I agree with you. Um, what what are your I know you've made videos about this in the past, but what are your thoughts about the asymmetry argument? Do you find it conclusive enough? <clears throat> well, I, I I had already proposed an argument. Well, I'm not saying I did it before Benatar, right? His book was written uh, maybe before I even was making YouTube videos. Um, but it was, um, but um, his papers were, yeah, right. But I, I always called it a zero sum game. So that's yeah, that yeah. was the term I used. And the zero sum essentially means the same thing as the asymmetry: is that you can't fix you 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 <laughs> the rights, okay, the goods that are not fixing bads are so weak 
okay, as as positives, right? I mean, the best thing you could do, like inventing penicillin, huge good. Why is it good? It prevents bad, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the the goods you can manufacture are so trivially weak compared to the weight of the bads. I mean, there's just this incredible um, inequity, and that mm-hmm. essentially, if you really think about it, all the goods are escaping the bads, being immune to poverty, being immune to disease, being immune to pain and suffering. Right? These are all the goods. The goods are not being deprived, not being. Um, um, wanting and needing and all of these negative things. So this, the absence of the whip is the only thing keeping us in the game, right? That's the good yeah. we're going for. Right. And we're just so badly trained that that's exactly how we are, right? We're slaves who basically think you gave me a great present by not whipping me today, right? <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. the argument yeah. is is that we're, we're, we're born into life in a hole and we're just struggling to get to zero. We're struggling to get to the neutral. We'll never climb a mountain. Yeah. That'll never happen. Okay. All the best you can do in your life is get back to even, get back to making, uh, you know, doing as much good as you did bad. You know, you're never going to profit from your personal existence. And so the only way you can profit is to prevent other holes from being dug, other dungeons being made that are going to force people to struggle to get to, you know, a, a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Very well said. Um, I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about uh, consumption, reproduction, cannibalism, and addiction, or parasitism. I know it's had some uh, some shifts and changes over the years. Uh, I mean, for me personally, that was a that concept that you created of uh, crap or uh, the other. What, yeah, yeah. Originally, it was very important. Yeah, yeah. It was nice to turn it into a word like crap, right? So that was just yeah. fun, you know. So yeah. yeah. Obviously, you're just playing a word game, and but yes, the word game is convenient because that's what it is. These are all just crappy things that are the foundation of our existence. Okay, it's just some some not because you had the idea that I need to reproduce. No, it's imposed on you, right? The idea yeah. of of the necessity to consume, and the fact is, is most of the things that are worthy of consuming, that is the stuff that's going to give you enough battery life, those things are already using the batteries. Okay, yeah. we're going to steal the energy from that thing needs it just as much as you do. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to steal it. Okay, you're not going to you're not going to acquire your energy in any kind of honest way. You're going to acquire it by stealing it from somebody else. We're thieves for our existence. We have to consume to have it. Yeah. And our consumption is bloody and messy and ugly. We consume other people's. We say, I love you to somebody, right? But what does it usually mean? I need you, right? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carve you up into little pieces and, you know, consume you through my life. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you are going to become dependent on me. And then that way I can force you to take care of me. And I'm going to get your sympathy. And I'm going to, I mean, they're all horribly abusive. And then, I, you know, yeah. I thought about this when I was a kid because I recognized it in my friendships with people i was saying why were my friends with certain people and i'm saying what am i doing in these friendships but trying to earn brand you know points so at some point in the future i can you know borrow 10 bucks right i mean i'm yeah yeah i'm feeding the relationship for a very selfish purpose like if i'm friends with this guy well then he knows this girl and i can get you know maybe i can get in her pants and i can do that it was all this manipulation i'm saying every fucking thing i'm doing in my life is to manipulate things to my advantage Mm-hmm. I, I one Christmas I thought, oh yeah, I'll be, I'll be a generous, happy person, you know, and I'll do, uh, you know, I, I was kind of thinking in this term of 
you know, what's the best thing you could do in life is to make other people happy, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I spent a bunch of money and bought people stuff and everything. And I said, why did I really do that, though? I yeah. did it so I look like I'm such a generous, wonderful person, right? right I mean, right. It, it's just even when I was being rationally and philosophically correct, I could feel myself being rewarded in this yeah. in incredibly negative way where I'm saying, I love this little spotlight. I love that I look like I'm a great person. Oh, fuck. And you're just like, you know, you can't win. I mean, even when yeah. you're trying yeah. to do the right thing, you end up doing it because you have to motivate a dumb gorilla to do it, right? The bottom right. line is your brain is talking to a gorilla. You have to feed it bananas. You have to seduce it into doing everything. And so, yes, you always end up having to have some gorilla interest or you won't do it. You have to make it look like a good idea to the gorilla in you. And that's the sad truth, you know, that we can yep. never do anything purely honorable yep. because it's always a profit somehow. Even jumping on the fucking grenade, the profit is I was a hero. I did the right thing. Yep. I was a great person. I lived by my principles. I wasn't a hypocrite. You know, isn't that a wonderful thing to write on your tombstone, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was a hypocrite and had my chest blown to New York. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, right. it's just. No, it's, it's, uh, it's one of the things that most disturbs me about life, honestly, is, yeah, you can't ever do anything in some purely, uh, purely, uh, pure way. Yeah. This selfish animal that just, right. you know, exactly. it's just the obvious what the whole thing runs on is, you know, penis power and you know it just yeah it's just, it runs on crap it's a yeah. crappy engine so yes i like that it comes out to be crap because it's it's all yeah. ends up being a crappy motivator <laughs> it's it's funny too because when i made the ephilist uh like right after i shot you know the the uh those scenes of like you know the the uh, the easel set up with all the individual you know consumption reproduction cannibalization you changed it right in the middle of that so I I do wish I had kind of gone back and uh, and fixed that to make it crap in the movie but you know it is what it is um, yeah I I I really feel that um, your diagnosis of such a large part of human psychology as addiction this addiction part of the consumption reproduction cannibalism addiction equation. Um, I, I feel like it's one of the most important parts of in Mendham philosophy, period. Um, and it's I feel like it's a point that unfortunately gets like ignored so often. Um, and there's such hesitance to um, diagnose, you know, uh, human motivation as addiction. Um, I know why it is that that happens. But I mean, in your words, like, wh why is there such a hesitance? Um, and, and I just want to say, like, I, I really of so many things that you say, that is one of the biggest takeaways that I wish people were, you know, consuming from your philosophy is this idea of addiction. Because I feel like if you don't understand the addiction part, uh, you can't really do the uh, the empathy thing correctly you can't really do the compassion thing correctly it's, it's such an important thing to understand about what we are well if you're not willing to you know bend to the truth that is recognize that your gorilla has habits you know like mm -hmm. your gorilla might like to wear spandex or your gorilla might wear a tutu or your gorilla might you know and that we have a ton of these imposed conditioned circumstances that have nothing to do with any reasoning right it just has to do with how mommy raised you 
kind of mm-hmm. thing or what school you went to or what teachers you had. And so you have a whole notion of how of what right and wrong is. It's not based on anything rational. It's just yeah. based on your personal preferences. Um, and they dictate almost everything. You know, what your favorite color is decides what, what soda you buy. I mean, yeah. what, you know, I yeah. mean, these, these little trivial things like how pretty the president is or, you know, some Ugh. silly yeah. crap that decides <laughs> whether he wins an election or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the invasiveness of all of these conditioned um, uh, attachments and that's all they are is just little attachments. And some of them happened in your, like I said, in youth, you learn a language. In youth, you, you yeah. know, your sexuality is going to be defined. Lots of things are going to happen to you through this conditioning process. And those things are written on a part of the hard drive that's really hard to unwrite. I mean, once it's yeah. been written, okay, then you don't get to just make the choice one day and say, All right, I think I'll be a homosexual. <laughs> it just doesn't go to work that way, right? Right, so, right. So, um, you know, this is a terribly narrow box we're, we're forced into, right? This a big part of our, like, 80% of our living experience is going to be dictated by this stupid box that we were forced to live in, um, you know, for 18 years of your life. And that box is formed so many parts of you, and it's so hard to unravel it. And the only, way, the only hope you have to do it is to recognize, oh, every part of me is in some way corrupt. Every part is in right. some way been biased. There haven't been any fair fights to decide what kind of women I like. There haven't been any fair fights to decide any of these questions. And, yeah. um, you know, so why do I bother having an intelligence if I'm going to have to ride on a monkey that can't learn anything, you know, that can't change? And that's part of our tragedy, you know, is that's yeah. the, one of the biggest tragedies is that I have to ride on this dumbass monkey, this same stinking camel. I can't get a new one, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, very well said. Um, so, so, so some of the most common questions that come out up about ethelism, things that people ask me all the time, uh, is how it could be achieved. You know, so a good portion of the rest of what I prepared for today will be about that. Um, starting us off on a, a bit of an easier note. Um, so many years ago, actually quite a while before the whole antinatalism thing even reached YouTube, quite a while before ethelism really proper began, um, you had a very long back and forth conversation with uh, somebody that's not around on YouTube anymore called conference report uh, about an idea that you had regarding like a voucher system where birth could kind of be wound down by the use of these vouchers. It would allow you to have, you know, some children and then the vouchers would get more and more rare. um, So you wouldn't be allowed to continue to have children. Um, Can I probably haven't explained it very well here. Can you explain this idea a little better than I have? And is this something that you still think uh, would be a, a good, important part of planning for, an anti-natalistic, you know, end game world. Um, well, I think it's all how you, you know, you, you wind something down or you wind something up. However, we want to look at it. there's always a steps, right? Step one, yeah. step two, step three. So, I mean, step one is getting people comfortable with the idea that, yeah, maybe the whole project is fail. Um, and then, you know, you have to get up a, a, to a step where you have a democracy and the, most of the democracy starts realizing that maybe we shouldn't just you know, say anybody can drive one of these buses that you have yeah. to have a certain skill level to drive the bus. You have to maybe earn it. Maybe you have to get some citizen points before you can have children. Not a completely irrational notion. 
um, you know, that we should make very good orphanages because we shouldn't allow people who are drug addicts and all failed in their own life um, be um, driving buses for other people. People have already crashed buses, shouldn't be driving buses. Yeah. You know, this kind of, I mean, these are just fundamentally logical equations that every child deserves to be born from a clean vagina. You know, they really don't um, deserve any kind of liabilities or disadvantages or crippledness that is yeah. so easily prevented. And these are and some of them might not be so easily prevented. But the point is, is we should be trying to prevent them because these right. are horrible unfairnesses. These are horrible um, causes of most of the blight in our society is self-created. It's not because we don't have enough laws that say don't litter. We don't have enough people who don't want to litter. <laughs> you yeah, know, I mean, exactly. Uh, I right. mean, we shouldn't even have to have laws for this kind of stuff. It's so fucking basic. I mean, you don't drive a bus if you don't have a driver's license. Well, you don't have kids if you can't even you haven't even gotten past being 16 years old yet. How the frig can, can you be a parent? You, you crazy little lunatic. Yeah. Who do you think you are? You're 16 year old. You have no fucking skills. You're completely incompetent and you're a half drug addict. You think you can be a parent. Well, fuck you. You're an idiot. Yeah. I mean, never should we force a kid to grow up in that hell. Oh, of um, course not. Yeah. Um, so I'm just saying clearly we can create incentives to incentivize more responsible child creation and in the process be discouraging. But as I've pointed out in previous arguments, mm -hmm. we don't need to make any of these arguments to almost win the war when it comes to human destruction. Humans will destroy themselves if you let them do it. Yeah. So, yeah. frankly, all we have to do is give kids the right to a high school education and we will create um, negative human population growth. It's already happening. All the civilized countries have domestic negative population growth. Yeah. Domestic population is not replacing itself. It is declining and heading right for extinction. Yeah. So we've already won the war in a goddamn sense. And it's almost ironic that people aren't getting it. The only liability is the stinking, smelly, ignorant, religious poor. And if we can stop them from happening, then we can really win this war. But if we keep saying, oh, the poor people can't help themselves. Oh, the poor, poor people. Oh, 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 oh. No, screw the stupid, dumb, ignorant poor. They're incompetent, incapable. They just create liability. They need to be insulted. They need to be slapped around a little bit to grow the fuck up they're dumb and stupid they have no right to keep pumping up human population um uh, it's just idiocracy it's the worst of us are breeding the mostest and that's just a recipe for disaster yeah well i was i was actually going to bring up some of this a little later but since you bring it up I'll, I'll talk about it now like um yeah i think it's a it's a great point and and you've been making this point for a long long time now actually that yeah like people are basically behaving as antinatalists already and and we're and they're not procreating um and so i i i um i'm always very curious i i think it's i think again i think it's a point that needs to be um yeah, like talked about a lot more that that just is a fact of what's happening now. Um, but I, I, um, I'm curious what you think would be the best methods of like, um, 
you know, making people understand that that's what they're doing. Well, um, the, and then, we, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, we, yeah, we need a process. So it's like, the, it's all, it's the failure of our democracy, right? So we need yeah. a democracy where some of these subjects get actually voted on by the masses, right? They aren't yeah. stuck political parties. So if you put it to the masses, mm-hmm. all right, about global warming, they'll they'll come up with the right answer. You, you yeah. put it to the masses, um, kids being raised by, by cretins, they'll fix it, okay? They'll vote for the right answer. Mm-hmm. So that's really, like, even the whole idea, all these subsidies and stuff, you know, people don't want to subsidize anything. They don't like the whole idea of subsidies and free rides and all this other crap. Yeah. So if you give them the right to vote on this stuff, um, then we can create policy that will actually discourage the bad behavior. We'll quit subsidizing the negative behavior. We get rid yeah. of the political parties because the political parties are what's giving it power. They're 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 owned by the religious kooks. The religious kooks are the family kooks. The family kooks are the children kooks. Um, because yeah, guess what? You know, half the people in the country are not going to have children, and frankly, they have every reason to be pretty uh, offended that they might be taxed out of their house to pay to take care of somebody else's kids. Yeah. If you were, if we were charging people property taxes so we could subsidize pet ownership, they would get it and they'd say, I shouldn't be taxed out of my house because somebody decides to have a dog. Why the hell do I have to pay for it? Yeah. Uh, And I'm just saying that even though these aren't the winning philosophical arguments, I'm saying these are practical real effects in civilization that will create the atmosphere that we want, which is a kind of um, a recognition, like most civilized people recognize, this might be too much of a job for me. I'm not qualified to be a parent. I haven't lived a good enough life to be a role model for anybody. You know, they all have good reasons, okay? They're not what I would call an antinatalist reason, but yeah. they're damn good reasons to not have kids. They're not having kids for some stupid reason. They're having kids because they're waking up and smelling some of the shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing that I'm worried about <laughs> currently, you know, shaking that up in the course that, you know, we're on right now, it does have to do with this with this whole uh, coronavirus thing, just in the sense that, like, uh, you know, there are a lot of antinatalists now that are really excited about it. And they, you know, they think that it's going to be um, a way for people to get more interested in, you know, pessimistic thought or antinatalism, what have you. Um, but one of the things that I am kind of concerned about is that, like, OK, you got all these people now trapped in their homes. They can't date. They can't go out and fuck. They're going to go wild when they're finally let loose. And I am honestly kind of worried that we might have a baby boom after this. Do you feel like that's a possibility? I, I, don't, I don't think it's a real threat because there's, there's frankly, this isn't the end of the war or something. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like it's yeah. looking good. So you don't have two incomes coming into every family, right? I mean, that's true. the end of the war was like prime time. I mean, you put the women to work, you know, you had this huge extra workforce. You had, you know, yeah. huge elevation in productivity. Uh, we're not riding that sort of the, the, the side true. of the mountain. No, we're not going up. We're going down. So yeah. I'm just saying that everybody's going to be feeling the economic pain, rich and poor. Yeah. You're all going to start feeling it, okay? Life's not going to get cheaper. It's going to get more expensive, and it's going to get really fucking expensive for some of this stuff. Some of this stuff is going to cost a lot of money, and the money's going to have yeah. to be paid by somebody, and who's yeah. going to pay it, right? So um, if people start popping out babies and that, uh, circumstance, well, they're only going to be the the dumbest of the dumb, right? It's going to be yeah. the, the the biggest retards on the planet. Well, <laughs> let's hope they won't be. Um, but yes, that's an excellent point. 
Um, okay. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the red button. Um, so this is a this is something that you're very well known for. Um, and there's no question that the red button thought experiment has become a much more widely regarded idea in antinatalism as a whole, which is very different than it was, um, you know, when I came into the mix of things in 2010, and certainly you were talking about it before that, you got a much different reaction to that idea many years ago when you first, you know, proposed it. But then you do have more recent things like the recent debate with Cosmic Skeptic where, um, you know, he says that he would he would press it. Um, so what do you think about the ways in which that the reception to such an idea has uh, has changed over the years? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's got more than one side to it in the sense that, I, that what I really like about it is, is it it's a way of detecting how how deep your empathy is. <clears throat> because it's this yeah. very abhorrent thing, right? I'm going to yeah. impose. I'm going to decide for everybody. I'm going to play God. I'm going to do all this stuff. But the real thing is, is how deep do you know it's definitely the right answer? I mean, it's the yeah. only way to save the victims. They're sitting there in a dungeon pleading with you right now. They're screaming at you. I want to die. Please, please save me. Save me. Save me. Yeah. You know, end my pain. End my pain. They're begging with you, you know, and you're going to ignore it because you have some sort of apprehension about being rude. Oh, screw being rude. Right. <laughs> OK, so, yes, I'm going to be fucking rude. So how quickly you'll hit it. It just has has to do with how long you've had to become very comfortable with the idea that you know the game is wrong the game has to end and if this is the quickest and if this gets it done do it get it done don't ever risk failing uh you know because you had some apprehension about doing it right if you know it's going to blow up then tie yourself to the bomb and fly it down you, you know um like the end of the um, Doctor Strange Love. Doctor Strange Love. Yeah. Yeah. Just just ride the nuke. Okay. I mean, it's the right answer. So that's I, so that's part of what I like about it is it just challenges the the agnostic yeah. type because you ask them the question they hem and haw and blah, 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 well I know I should but I know I shouldn't but I know I should you yeah. know because if you're really thought about it you know that as soon as you see anything that looks like a red button you're falling that way you know you're just mm -hmm. so you're so ready to hit it you're so primed you're ready to charge the enemy and you know shove your bayonet right through their brain um because you know the evil's there you know what i'm saying you, you've, yeah, yeah. you've gotten yeah. past any apprehension about well maybe they're not all nazis and maybe they're all blah, 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 blah. no you gotta right. win the war fuck it i'm not gonna lose the war because i want to sit there and start feeling sorry for soldiers <laughs> you know fuck that uh you know win the yeah, war i know what you mean um, okay, so part of the next question comes from somebody named Conundrum. Um, so I think there's a growing feeling in some parts of the antinatalist community that the red button is sort of a non sequitur, that it's bad optics, it introduces a sort of violent tone into the conversation that isn't present in other forms of antinatalism, um, you know, talking about destroying the world and the red button scenario, yeah. as right, if right, that's right. the... Okay, sorry to interrupt. Okay, I get you. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but my counter argument would be that's always going to happen. So so Karen Ann Quinlan yeah. is laying uh, in a coma on a bed in front of you. Okay, uh, she's clearly dead. All right. Uh, so now you have to stop her from breathing, or you have to stop her heart from beating, or you have to you know. Yeah, it's always not. It's, yeah, who wants that job? Nobody. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, but it's got to be done. So it's never yeah. going to be pretty. You know what? You want they they want happily ever after, right? They don't want 
Yeah, they accidentally slipped on a banana peel and fell off a cliff. Never knew what happened. You know, I, I mean, you know, they yeah. want this idea of the end to be so precious. Well, it's it doesn't have to be in the first place. We don't need this fucking graceful exit. We just need the fucking the end words to come on the screen and that's it. It's over. The movie's over. Okay, get over it. I know you're sad that the movie's over, but the movie's fucking over. So right. why worry about uh, you know orchestrating the credits in the proper way or some other kind of crap? So yes, the red button is crude, but it for anybody who really knows what it's stopping. For anyone who really f- knows what it's actually stopping, it's stopping that that one more pang of that toothache or the one more pang of that pancreas or the one more, you know, all of this pain and suffering. It's stopping it. Yeah. So it's a beautiful I- thing, okay? Yes, it's red because it's important and it's a vital thing and you really have to be sure you're hitting the right button. So, yeah, we should paint it red. It should be fucking red because it is an important statement. But right. Get over it. So what? Well, I, I, I also think it's an inevitable part of the conversation. I just think that there's this big push to like pin all of the really difficult questions that these conclusions philosophy wide come to on Ephelis. But I don't I don't th- I think that the conclusions of antinatalism proper are bad enough that it is inevitable that you're going to ask those questions well, the, the point is something we like never we bonus. never have to get to the coma person you know that we have to d- unplug we can just do it like in soylent green right where the doctor mm-hmm. decides that he's had enough of the shitty world yeah. Yeah. okay and he goes out in this kind of you know beautiful way where he has big screen tv and he sees all the things he used to the old world right he sees all the beauty of the old world the way things were and, very lovely, can think about his first sexual experience, can think about whatever he wants and just drift away. The human race can die the same way. It doesn't have to be a red button, okay? The red button right, is right, of course. finishing it. The red yeah. button could be, that's the button you hit, and that turns the big screen on, right? And, yeah, yeah. and wonderful endorphin turns drugs. Turns the big screen off. <laughs> the, wonderful, the wonderful endorphin drugs are pumped in, and you have this beautiful little graceful exit, a beautiful last dream, and then you just fade away. Who yeah. could complain about that? So, yes, the, the red button doesn't say we can't make a graceful exit. It just says yeah, that the exit is necessary. Right. And what would you... What would you do to have the exit? And that's right. I would do it just as crude as I have to. Okay. I really, I I really just don't care about aesthetic crapola. I'm going to stop the car from going over the cliff. Yes. And I, and I do understand that. And so my next point is I will, I use the red button thought experiment I have for years. Uh, You know, I certainly didn't erase it from the, the, the Ephelis movie. I think it's important. Um, And I do think it has all this value. Um, I will say and I, that I do sadly think that there are a lot of people like, say, on some of these Facebook groups that are abusing it and are acting very threatening. And I am uh, afraid that there are going to be people that take an antinatalist, ethelist approach that are crazy and that are going to perpetuate, you know, violence against humans and animals. I mean, I have had to talk people down from just going out and killing, you know, random people or hunting animals in some, dis- you know, disgusting, violent manner. Um, and so, I mean, I am worried about it. And I'm curious if you're worried about it, too, um, because well, I, mean, I, I, I want I want antinatalism and ethelism to do the good in the world that I know that it can. And I don't want these kinds of people to destroy the chances that it has. 
Well, I, I won't be a hypocrite. So I'll, I'll say if, if, if I heard about a serial killer who was killing billionaires, I, I would be, you know, very, I would have, I'd have to be a preposterous liar to say, oh, that what an awful thing that is. He's violating their rights, blah, blah, blah. Oh, fuck that shit. Because they deserve it. Okay. I can't, there's no other way I can say it. You can't get a billion dollars without being a son of a bitch. There's no way you can collect that much money without being the greediest, stinking, lousiest human piece of scum there could possibly be. Um, you know, to hoard all those resources for your silly, trivial pleasures, and your stupid yachts and all this other crap you're wasting this money on when it could be going to some decent purpose, saving people from ruin all over the place. And you're wasting it on this fucking trivial crap. Yeah, fuck those people. I, they couldn't they couldn't be killed hard or bad or brutal enough to satisfy me, frankly. OK, so, yes, there is a principle. Do do no harm. But I'm just saying, when you're talking about Mangula, okay, yeah, who cares? All right, because he's a he's a, he's perfectly capable of understanding what he's doing is horrible and awful. He didn't give a shit about the pain he caused, so why should anybody give a shit about his suffering? I mean, come on, it's just silly for me to sit there and empathize because oh, somebody somebody shitty is going to get shit. Well, God, good, let them get shit. I'm all for people getting what they deserve. Okay, I'll say it plainly. And there's things on this planet right now that deserve it, okay? And I'm just saying that even if I was to say there was some random virus out there that was going to kill people, well, guess what? The odds of it killing a good person are pretty thin. <laughs> Frankly, from my perspective, most people suck. So it's going to kill a lot of shitheads before it ever gets to anybody worth a damn. Um, but no, I would never encourage anybody to right. do these trivial little if you're not going to win the war don't bother yeah. shooting soldiers okay so unless it's vital to winning the war don't shoot any soldiers okay so yeah there's no victim you shouldn't be making victims that are superfluous okay you shouldn't be killing the soldier's wife or his kids you know so yeah, yeah of course there's people who think um crazy thoughts i can't fix that but i'm not going to I I'm just not going to be a hypocrite and say, uh, you know, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say, oh, I think there's a good reason to feel bad that shitty people died today. No, there's no reason to feel bad about that. It's not about feeling bad. I just don't want people ruining the philosophy by by taking on actions <clears throat> that are not going to fix any real problems. And I just going to cause. I mean, look, you know, I, I'm not for people being too aggressive in it. I, I know. I'm, you're I'm not, I'm not frankly too thrilled that the social experiment this guy goes inside of um, stores to do his I'm, shit. I'm okay? so I mean, angry frankly, about that. The sidewalk is one thing, but when you yes. start going into people's businesses and, you know, being a fucking obscene pain yeah. in the ass, well, yeah. then fuck you. I mean, that's yeah. just worse shit. That's a, I, I was, I have I was so choice to. I don't have the choice to walk around you. I mean, I need to buy my shit. I'm in the fucking store. I don't want to yeah. hear your yeah. crap. Shove yeah. that crap up your ass. Well, especially well, in a circumstance where, you know, people were panicking, like trying to, you know, make sure they had food enough for themselves. And, you know, it was well, the beginning I mean, of this whole thing. I'm not, I'm not sure I have all that empathy for all the hoarders either, but whatever. Well, okay. No, that's I don't not want... what I mean. I'm just saying he went into in a situation where people were scared and he's, you know, all of a sudden making them deal with his bullshit. I just felt well, like that I was guess, kind of... I guess if he was in there telling them, what are you afraid of? It's a fucking flu for fuck's sake. Okay. It's not the black plague. I mean, come on, get a grip. Well, it's just a but, flu yeah. nobody's had yet, so more people are going to get it. Okay, that's all it is, though. It's a flu. 
Flus kill people every fucking year. It happens. The weak will die. Um, and that's the other part of this. I mean, why, you know, in a, in a sense, I mean, some of this is true that, you know, it's not exactly killing the people in the prime of their lives, right? It's like cigarette smoking. And usually the victims aren't uh, five-year-old Stop. kids. Some, but yeah, well, not 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 on not an average. Yeah, compared to all the other stuff, I'm just saying no. It's just really not a realistic, uh, uh, you know, to have this perception that this great demon is among us. It's not the dragon you're making it out to be. Okay, it's so. Uh, well, the dragon for me is the mismanagement. <laughs> I guess that's you know. I mean, we're. The, just, well, the dragon know. for me is is that you know what you call the mismanagement is sort of to me the the unrealistic perception that you're going to stop it. Well, guess what? You're not. You're just going to slow it down, which is nice, but yeah. you've got to figure this isn't going to be free. This is going to be one of the no. most expensive right. fucking things the human yeah. race ever faced, and and for what a freaking flu virus? You know, yeah. it wasn't the plague for goddamn sake. We could have been hit by a real virus. You know, one that. Yeah actually made your brain fill with pus and you died yeah. horribly. This yeah. could be a real threat. I mean, this is almost like trivial threat compared to what could have been. So we almost should feel lucky that we've gotten away with it for so long that we've been immune to yeah. any of these fucking, you know, look what people lived with 200 years ago. I mean, you had no, scarlet fever, you, you had mumps, measles, you had all this shit all the time. It was always blighting you. Yeah, no, it's true. And we and and economically, certainly we are creating a much more monster by the process of what we're doing right now. So I can't disagree with that. Certainly. Well, I mean, I understand, too. I like I said, I have all the empathy, but, you know, there, there is a the, the truth is there's a lot of people living longer than society can afford to have everybody live. OK, right, I mean, it's right. pretty damn expensive to keep everybody alive for 90 years. Well, I th there's never been a more important time for the right to die laws, in my opinion. I mean, let people escape it, for fuck's sake. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and then you'll have more money for the ones who want the extra two weeks. But right, yeah, I'm exactly. saying that, uh, you know, we are, you know, there is a somewhere you got to get a little bit practical. And I'm just saying some of these ambitions people have are just impractical. You can't have it the way you want it to turn out. It's not going to turn out that way. You're not going to yeah. stop the virus. You're only going to slow it down. And so you're going to take, you know, what you could get over with in six months, you're going to make it into six years. Yeah. And that's going to be pretty expensive. Yeah. I mean, they're talking about doing like a universal DNR. And I'm like, why don't you just not let people get to that point to begin with? I mean, give them the right to die. Let them escape the process of, of even having to, you know, uh, reject the ventilators and it, it, yeah the way that we that we're doing this doesn't make any sense i i can definitely agree with that yeah i have no interest in checking in the, to the hospital to die no so, no, no, no 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 i i mean i i just give me my 53 cents worth of chemicals and i'm perfectly happy to take care of it yeah myself. yeah i agree with you on that i feel the same way uh i don't want to contend with chicago hospitals right now for sure um so Andreas asks, has Ephelism ever promoted the use of nuclear weapons to eliminate life, reduce suffering? Uh, have you actually said that? And why is it Ephelism so often is referred to? Wait, sorry. And why is Ephelism so often referred to as this by other people calling themselves Ephelists? Well, I don't know. I mean, is Ephelism the, the end game description of the method? I don't think that's what Ephelism is. Ephelism is just a description yeah. of the fact that the 
core problem is fundamental to the existence of life forms on Earth. Conscious yeah. sentient life existing yeah. is the problem. Consciousness can only make trouble in the world. It can't make the world a better place. The universe is not improved by having consciousness in it. It doesn't yeah. solve a problem the universe yeah. had. It right. doesn't heal a wound the universe had. Therefore, it can't possibly do anything good. There, that's the subject of aphorism. Now, strategies about how to annihilate all the sentient life, there's lots of different ways you could do it, right? So yeah. I'm just saying, what, what, you want to have arguments about it? Fine. Yes, I would argue that it's well within our technical means to make the mega bomb. Uh, the very fact is, is that nuclear bombs don't get tired when you make them bigger. You know what I mean? They don't mm -hmm. get less bombing. Mm -hmm. You know, right. some bombs less effective. You make it really big. It doesn't do any like a big bullet. You know, bullets. Yeah. There's a certain limit to how big you make the bullet because it becomes less and less effective. So uh, it's not like that with a nuke. So, yeah, we could make yeah. a mega bomb and we could stick mega bomb inside sure. the, you know, a few miles down in the Earth's crust in five or six different 10 or 12 or 20 or 30 different locations. And we can yeah. make such a mess of the yeah. ecology that all of the life that has anything like cellular function would be out of luck. Yeah. So yes, we could do it. So yes, I'm not opposed to nuking it. I'm, I'm, you know, like I said, there's other ways to do it, you know, in terms yeah. of crashing meteors into the earth. There's lots of yeah. ways to do it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I mean, you've talked a lot about in the past of like the last constituents on earth. Once everything is off the planet, you blow up the planet from space. And I'm not opposed to the use of nukes in that sense at all. I just don't want to terrorize and kill people with it is my is my is, is but I, but see i think you know a lot of this question comes from the fact that again i think there are a lot of people they don't do any they don't listen to your videos they don't watch the epilist they don't do any research on the topic they just want to sort of like gravitate towards the most you know violent sounding shit they can and um and again i mean i just think a lot of people are sort of abusing uh, because they have no fucking imagination for, you know, anything resembling ethical yeah, extinction. Yeah, well, I, I, and part of that is, is, yes, okay, they want you to kill the perpetrator, the rapist, in some sort of yeah. friendly yeah. way. Well, okay, fine, that's what you would prefer. I would prefer that, too. I would prefer we just have a little ray gun and it just levitates him and, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever, blah, 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 blah. But I'm saying, if all I have, okay, if my only choice is blow the moon in half and have the pieces crush the earth, you know, smash into the earth, then I'm pressing that button. Okay. I'm, I'm blowing the, yes. If the, if the button shows up, the blows, you know, that where we nuke the moon and the new moon splits in half and the two pieces bang yeah. into the earth. Right. Yes. I'm pressing the button. Mm -hmm. Okay. So fuck you. I'm pressing it. Right. Okay. Um, I mean, you have talked a lot in the past about like wanting to do this as a democratic. And you've, you've talked a little bit about this in this interview, too. But just just to reiterate, like you have talked a little bit of, in the past a lot, actually, about wanting to do this as a democratic process, that it would be like the world's largest Manhattan style project ever. Um, and I, mean, I also want to see that. Be, yes, the democratic yeah. process is great. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if it all of a sudden stops stopping the rapist, you know what I mean? If it doesn't, if yeah. it starts being the villain, like a democratic process is Adolf Hitler, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, then fuck it, okay? I'm not a Democrat anymore. If you're going to elect Hitler, I'm not a Democrat anymore, okay? Because that's yeah. just too fucking stupid. 
So, yes, I'll understand that this is best done by argument and by convincing people and getting people to get it and all that shit. I'm all for dragging it out and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just honestly saying, okay, if the aliens bring me the red button, I will be pressing it. Sorry, but yes, I know it's the right answer. So I don't need I don't need the rest of the world to tell me I'm right. I have logic on my side. I can do I can do the addition. I know what evolution is. and I know this isn't a game worth playing. Not for any of the poor little creatures on this planet. Yeah. Okay, thank you for that. Um, there are actually quite a lot of antinatalists that think antinatalism is not about extinction and that it's not something to be worked towards and that even the suggestion uh, of such a thing is uh, somehow very malevolent. And I think, again, as I said before, there's a lot of push to sort of pin those elements of the philosophy on ethelism and ethelism only. Um, when I think that they, even with plain Jane, Benatarian antinatalism or, or, or some other approach like that, um, the planning, the idea of how you end it and all that is just a logical step um, from their own versions of the idea. Uh, do you agree with that? Well, I, I'm just saying that all I, all I can do is, look, we could use some stupid metaphor like the Lion King, right? And then there's a little lion cub and whatever his name was, Fred. Simba. Simba. Oh, Simba, right. Okay, mm-hmm. so what if there was eight Simbas? So you had to watch eight movies where little Simba gets bitten by a snake and dies, where little Simba gets had his head eaten off by a hyena, where, mm-hmm. you know, eight versions of that before you get to a Simba story where, yeah, he gets to eat some bugs and then be a hero. Right. Mm-hmm. What well, would you say? Make the eight bad movies so I can watch the one good movie. I mean, no. No. the question is so obvious that and if I if I force you to actually kill Simba. Right. I mean, you have to actually go there and pull his head off. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, pull pull his two paws off first, you know, torture him a bit and then kill him. If I forced you to do it, could yeah. you? Wait, would you would you be willing to do it just so you can have your little perfect Simba over here on the mantelpiece? Fuck no. Little, Fuck no. little happily ever after story that isn't happily ever after, right? Simba's still going to get cancer and die, right? He's still going to, you know, wobble into the sunset and keel over, you know, mm-hmm. and get eaten by microbes. I mean... So what the fuck are you doing? What are you, why are you making an argument? You know what I mean. I mean, to me, yeah, 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 yeah. To me, all a person has to do is be stuck trying to explain how they don't mind. They wouldn't mind killing eight lion cubs, okay, for the wonderful circle of life. They wouldn't mind personally doing it. Well, I would mind. Yes. Okay. I don't want the job. I don't want to be part of this. I don't want to advocate it. I don't want to defend it. Um, and I want to do everything I can to rescue it. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Um, Andreas Moss asks, uh, does he see extinction as an ideological goal of his philosophy or just the consequence of everybody agreeing with it? I know you've answered some of this already, but... Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the, the conclusion is life is bad, okay? Yeah. So there, what do you do with bad things? Well, I don't put them in my pocket and save it for later. I, you know, I don't pet it and go, it's nice, little bad. I love you, bad. You're such a special little bad. Mm-hmm. No. So what the fuck? Yes, of course. You stop it. You prevent it. If you can, if you can prevent it, that's the best thing you could do is prevent it from ever existing. Great. Do that. All right. Yeah. Yes. Don't sit there and try to fix it. Don't try to do any of this other crap. Just prevent it. Don't try right. to clean up the mess. Stop somebody from knocking the glass off the table. 
There, I've solved the mess problem. Right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, just, just for the record, like, I, I don't understand the, the disconnect a, a, as far as any of that goes. I don't know, I don't know how an antinatalist can convince themselves that, F, that, uh, that extinction isn't a goal <laughs> of what we're talking about or a rational conclusion of what we're talking if, if about. If it's not what you're going to, if you're not going to fix it, then why fiddle with it, right? I mean, it's like, why would I, why, would I, why would I go up to a broken car yeah. and waste five hours cleaning the oil off of it and making it shiny and doing this and doing that and yeah, it's, still, I, it's still not gonna run oh what the hell did i just like, do like i really 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 do get that this is all very messy and it's nasty to talk about and i think it does get into the sort of the fear problem that we have in the antinatalist community and in some respects for good reasons but yeah i just don't get it i don't know how you can be disconnected from <laughs> it's like it's like throwing nickels it's like throwing a nickel in a wishing well right i mean oh gee it's such a special thing i did a special thing i threw a nickel in a wishing well i mean yeah. yes okay that feels just wonderful doesn't it it doesn't accomplish anything it's it's trivial so that's what they're doing they're just saying oh i'm a vegan oh i'm this oh i've solved all the problems i've solved the problems i didn't rape anybody therefore rape stopped i mean it doesn't make any sense okay if you're if you're yeah. going to you're going to be satisfied with nickels in a wishing well and say there i've done my job here on earth yeah i mean all i can say as a future victim is fuck you way short right Yes, I could not agree more. Um, there are some antinatalist ethicists who are very excited by the idea of climate change and coronavirus because they are, I frankly, they're just happy to see living things suffer. For uh, frankly, um, but also because they believe that this will cause extinction. Um, can you comment on why that's fucking bullshit? <clears throat> well, I mean, obviously, there's physical physics reasons why it's not going to happen that way so look right. the global warming thing is a simple equation um for for hundreds of millions of years ago a bunch of carbon was stored in the earth okay so this this stuff was essentially taken out of the atmosphere and stored in the ground mm -hmm. and um so we're so back in the original uh, environment right the first environment was toxic ammonia all this other stuff oxygen yeah. was a uh, uh, you know things pooed oxygen and now things eat oxygen right so things had to learn how to eat the poo of the other animals that kind of crap was going yeah. on and yeah. we're sort of still doing that we're breathing with the plants poo right their waste products are our that are food to us um <clears throat> anyway so the the world was 10 degrees celsius warmer back then Okay, yeah. when carbon was free and in the atmosphere, because it created a little bit of a change that made the atmosphere store a lot more humidity. So a lot more moisture was stored in the atmosphere, and that made it uh, the the water was a greenhouse gas, the water vapor, and mm -hmm. so it made it very warm. So all we did in, in the last hundred years is we took a ton, you know, millions of years worth of stored carbon, and we spilled it back into the atmosphere. So now it's you know it's going to have its effect and it's going to restore us back to the previous condition where more moisture will be trapped in the atmosphere. And as a consequence of that, we are going to get hotter. Now it doesn't mean the world blows up. 
Yeah. It just means it gets warmer. Well, what happened in the Jurassic? What was it? it was prime time for the living organism because the median temperature was higher and it was more metabolism that was possible, more energy, more movement, more everything was possible. So it wasn't anti-life. It was very pro-life, frankly. The Jurassic yeah. was pro-life. Right. So right. this is a silly argument that this will be our doom. No, it'll be yes. a doom to our civilizations, right? Exactly. We might have wars. We might we might blow each other into living in underground. We might do all kinds of silly things, but you're not going to make humans extinct with global warming. That's right. not going to work. Right, exactly. You um, want to kill this thing, you're going to have to kill it on purpose. It's not going to die by accident. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the idea of dropping the Earth into the sun has been brought up sometimes uh, in AN circles as a way of, like, destroying the earth what is that is that possible well, i'd argue it takes a lot of energy so that's yeah. the only trick to it is exactly how do you move that much mass into a fatal orbit now so whether you can jolt it or not enough is a question i you know i, I frankly i guess i i'm <laughs> um much as I know physics, I've never tried to calculate exactly how much energy that would require. But it's not mm -hmm. as simple as just, you know, making a fire on one side of the earth and saying, yeah, sure, we'll go sure. getting into the sun. Right. So it's a pretty big jolt you need. So exactly how will you get that jolt? I don't know where you're going to get it from. But it is true mm -hmm. <clears throat> that you can knock the earth out of its consistent velocity, you know, give it a little less velocity and it will be in a declining orbit, just like one of our satellites, and it will crash into the Earth. So it is possible to degrade its velocity enough to force it to spiral into the sun. Okay, interesting. Okay, yeah, I've, I've always I'll wanted to hear thoughts on that. Hey, if, if somebody comes up with a policy and let's do it, yes, I'd vote for it. So I'll say that much. Sure, so would I. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so let's say we're able to extinct all life on the planet where last constituents of Earth are in space ready to blow the planet up and we do it. What do you think are the possibilities for well, re-emerging? We shouldn't be in space doing it, okay? We should but, be on the ground. The last, the last Earthlings should be able to face the end with a little dignity and say, I, I'm willing to die with the rest of the biosphere. Okay, well, so, I am quote. I am. I. I, I think you have said that. I volunteer, frankly. Okay, I mean, look, I, I've already said that. I mean, I have sort of a Jesus complex. If you can put the whole burden on me, I'll take it. You know, um, yeah, because I can do it. I know I can do it. Um, not a big deal. Um, I can face anything for this good. So no matter what fire you put in front of me, I'll walk through it for this end. Um, yeah. You know, so torture me for 10,000 years. Okay, I'll pay the price. Go ahead. Because I want this end. The end is more valuable than billions and billions of lives I could live. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want that for you, but I know what you mean. Uh, I, I mean, I'm just saying that the last humans should have, you know, enough balls to be right there at ground zero to, to properly shed a tear for the fact that, damn, I wish this could have worked. Okay, no, I understand what you're saying. I, I'm, I, you have said that in the past, so that's that's all. That's the only reason why I phrased it that way. Um, but I mean, and you've answered this a lot of times, but just for the sake of our audience, what are the possibilities you feel of life reemerging? And I know this gets complicated because okay, life, but the possibilities of consciousness emerging are even more rare. Um, right. But what are I, I don't your thoughts think on that? I don't think there's any great threat that once you've enabled, you know, wiped out neurons, let's say, 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Any cell is complicated as a neuron. They're pretty fragile and pretty complex cells. So if you kill every organism that has a neuron, they're not coming back. Right. There's going to be a reinvention because it only happened once in our biological history. It only, you know, it's it's an aberration of the many, many aberrations that we're a, a byproduct of. So we just don't know what kind of fantastically impossible lottery we actually won. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like you enter a lottery that has one in a billion odds. Mm-hmm. And when you win that lottery, you get to have a ticket in a second lottery with one in a billion odds. And yeah. if you win that one, you get a ticket in a third lottery that has one in a billion odds. Yeah. So, you know, we have won a preposterously unlucky lottery to be conscious, to be mm-hmm. sentient, to be intelligent. All of these things are preposterously unlikely. Mm-hmm. So I would argue that there's no chance that the feeble little paramecians are going to redo it again. They're yeah. not going to win the lottery again. They're not going to do this win three lotteries in a row thing again. It ain't going to happen again. Mm-hmm. So it's not really a worry. So I just want to get I want to wipe out all the complex life forms. And most of those are vulnerable and fragile. Yeah. So um, I think we can win that game. Um, you've said, uh, well, okay, I want to talk a little bit about extinction for the animals as a slightly separate topic. You've said on many occasions, and I absolutely agree, that in an endgame antinatalist world scenario, we would have to extinct the animals first to make sure of their safety, get them out of dodge. Um, and I think this is really like, you know, this is where the avoidance with a lot of the other antinatalist com- community comes, because this is where things start to get a lot more complicated. Um, do you believe that we would be able to sterilize all the animals? Uh, no, <clears throat> I mean, it's just, you know, there's no hope. <laughs> you know, it's just no, no practical hope. Um, you know, you, you, extermination is the only practical method. It's like if, you know, I, as much as I love cats and I, oh, you know, all this stuff, I would argue that, you know, if you really care about feral cats, then you, mm-hmm. you want to just kill them. Okay. As quickly as we can do it and as many as we can get it done because it's, it's just a harm to sit there and pretend you can find some, you know, benign way to get the job done. If you want to stop the pregos, you got to stop the pregos. I mean, there's just no other way around it. And um, I, I'm just saying pragmatically, I think the harm of trying to do it gracefully just creates so much more suffering in the long yeah. run. That, that, that is what that, I'm worried about. Yeah. Yeah. Slow Sorry. answers are not good answers. You know, um, the, it's just not going to work. The future is so much bigger than the present and you just can't allow hundreds of years to go by you know uh to to get your answer when you have one that's 10 years so i'm just being as just as a pragmatist i'm just saying pragmatically i have an uh, an affection for recognizing that um as bad as it is you know um you do do a little worse now to prevent a lot worse later yeah. So I guess that's I'm just saying I, you always have to consider the future. I guess that's all I'm saying. If you can make a rational argument that the future is better off doing it some other way than do it the other way. But I guess I, I'm just saying I don't think pragmatically you can make the argument that the future is better off you doing it this more gentle way. I mean, it's what I it's what I want to do. It's what I hope that there's an answer for. I mean, I don't like the idea of giving people license to just go i mean i i 
Well, well, that's I want to at least euthanize them in some sort of. Uh, the rational argument is, is look, the, the, the way we would annihilate them would be so quick, you know, and how would you that, propose that, that would be the choice that the preferences for the quick way. Right. So, I mean, I'm not afraid of being in a nuclear explosion as long as I'm on ground zero. I don't want to be 25 miles away. Right. I, I don't want to be irradiated to death. If I can be blown up. Great. But if you're going to irradiate me to death, not so great. So I'm just saying, obviously, the method of how you you make something exist and not exist. But I'm just saying, if you could theoretically just make things in two seconds, it's dead. Or, you know, if I could throw all the animals off a building and they're dead in, you know, 13 seconds, how could I say that was cruel? I mean, I look, I admit, this is a part of all of this that I still, I still have some trouble with because I don't want to kill them. I do want to find some sort of ethical extinctionist manner and I maybe I do need to come to grips with that being an impossibility but um yeah I, well, I, I mean think, it's I don't really think, tough you're, you're preserving you're, you're saying you want to you want to gracefully exit them okay so you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna forcibly um so let's say we could even economically do it where you could make them sterile yeah you're not gonna save them from dying horribly <laughs> I mean, well, that's you know, true, too. I, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I know. Frankly, I know. I know. I was one of those animals. I'd say you really didn't do me much of a favor, did you? I mean, OK, fine. All right. I don't do the reproducing thing, but you're still going to make me get eaten by a lion. I mean, fuck yeah. you. You didn't do me any favors. Yeah, I mean, no, you weren't a friend. No, no. You weren't much of a friend, I'd say. Right. You're not much of a friend if you're not going to save me from the horrible death. Right. Right. Um, yeah. OK. So. And I mean, you do believe that if we tried to you to you to uh, sterilize them, that we could be causing them uh, a lot more suffering in the process. Well, of I don't so. think it's really nice to take a cat and slit it open and plop no, out I, I or something. I don't think the cat says, "Gee, thanks a lot. That was really fun." I think the cat says, "That was terribly unpleasant, and I would never want to do that again." So. I mean, why would I impose surgery on something? So, yes, I don't I, I just can't make sense out of not just getting to the point. So, you know, the, the point is, is they're not better off alive. So you can think they are, but they're really not. So, yeah, you want to buy all the animals a hooker? OK, let's do that. Let's all <laughs> buy them a hooker and they can have yeah. a, one, one really nice night and then we'll gas them and they'll be dead. You know, so what? I'm, I'm just saying, yeah, OK, let's make it as nice as possible. Let's give them a party, give them some booze. You know, but, uh, you know, play some hey. good songs. Uh, you know, I'm just saying, yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's practicality here. And I'm just saying, I just don't know if all that kind of conversation is very practical. Okay. No, I understand. And I, and, and I, I have to do some more thinking on that. I mean, I, I suppose my, my terror of suggesting that is that I just am afraid of giving, I want it to be a plan. You know what I mean? I don't want to give license to nut jobs to just go out and, you know, kill animals i want it to, i want it to be a solution I, I not a, yeah. but I, I you have to recognize when you're just emotionally reacting and i would argue like somebody throwing cats into a stream right a kittens yeah and yeah it's wrong it's bad it's horrible but when i really think about it, i'm saying no it's really not it's probably the best thing you can do because everything else you do is going to be complicated if mm -hmm. i try to protect it and i cuddle it and i hold it and i do all this i, I have to feed it i have to you know what i mean you're you're just trapped there's no good answers here you know, yeah. so yes, until we all can have a graceful exit, 
you know, yes, we should give everything a graceful exit. Give it 53 cents of chemicals to die slowly and gracefully in some peaceful go-to-sleep manner. Mm -hmm. So when I euthanize the cat to cut its nuts off, I just keep it euthanized. I just don't bother waking it up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I... I mean, we are the only thing that is capable of driving this bus, as you've as you've said in many occasions. And um, it's just, I guess, it's a hard thing to come to that, that there to come to that there there is no way of maybe possibly doing this thing without uh, crossing some ethical you break boundaries some kind of thing. Yeah, you got to yeah. break some eggs to make a good omelet. Blah blah blah. There's, you know, I would like there to be some kind of happily ever after way to write the book but there really isn't so uh it's a practical matter you're gonna have to take some shortcuts and um i wish it wasn't that way but i just mean our our capacity as human beings is limited yeah i mean i think i think there is an important distinction to make sorry we can't perfect the solution we can only come up with a solution not a perfect solution Right, because the gravity of the situation we're stuck in doesn't really allow us to make it the way that we'd really wish it to. So, yeah, okay. Um, oh, sorry, so the animals need to go extinct first. We can agree on that. Uh, I-, I would like it to be in a different manner, but that's, you know, we just had that conversation. Do we continue to have kids until we do that, until until we're until we're... We're done with well, the animal if part. If of the you're equation. having less less than replacement population, fine. Yeah. So as yeah. long as it's so again, you let people have kids who've earned the right to have kids by some stupid standards. But I'm saying it'd be better if they just stop it. But go ahead, because what's the difference? And I'm just saying, if the last, you know, death is inevitable. So all you're really just saying is that this is the time you decide that it's this is the end. So. I guess there would be no point in having a kid a week before we're going to blow the world up. But, you know, yeah, I, I say even if you did, so what? It's one fucking kid. <laughs> so what? You know, I, I mean, again, it, you're not sensing it to 10,000 years of torture and pain. You're going to blow it up with the rest of this shit. Right. Um, I already know the answer to this question, obviously, but just people wanted me to ask you. Um, we should not keep ourselves in existence if there is some possibility of other life on on other planets, right? Like we're not keeping ourselves around just to deal oh, with yeah. that possibility. Well, I, I, would like, I would like us to have the luxury, okay, of doing a lot of interesting things. So yeah. I would love us to make some probes that went out into space, you know, and, and little annihilation probes. You know, they would just sniff out life in any kind of form and annihilate it wherever they could, little sanitizing robots. Um, you know, so just to be sure that we did our part to try to help anyone else that was trapped in this. But I also philosophically, I think I'm pretty secure in my knowledge of the rarity of this complex form of life, yeah. that even making the Xeroxing uh, nucleic acid is not a automatic thing. I mean, it's all really unlikely chemistry. And there's probably not much to worry about that this thing that happened repeats. It's the right. it's one of these preposterously unlikely events, like seven lightning strikes on the same head of a pin. And uh, you really don't have any realistic reason to be too threatened. And the idea, too, is, is that it's just physically beyond our capacity. We can't yeah. even with our probes do it. 
there's no way to get to the rest of the universe in any kind of time they need you to get there. So um, there's just not much probability we can do much good. Okay. Um, so you've always talked in the past about, you know, antinatalism, ethylism being the plan A, but then you also always sort of have in mind the plan B, like all of these other societal fixes that you've talked about for years, all of these other, uh, you know, important subjects that you've talked about. So if we can't achieve antinatalism and ethylism for some reason, uh, what is the plan B? What does plan B look right. like? Well, if you can't prevent dying badly, the, you certainly can prevent dying double badly or dying yeah. worsely worse. So yes, let's, let's not be, as stupid as we possibly can let's be a little smarter than as stupid as possible so yes let's try to do things as intelligently as impossible in all areas of existence so yes i'm a civilizationist yes i believe in in, in mitigating harm wherever you can mitigate it but i would never sacrifice the end for a present um, um, nuisance, okay? Okay, yeah. I, I have no fear about inconveniencing the present to save the future. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay, I mean, I'll, I'll stab the present with a bayonet you know, to save the future. Okay. All right, just a few more questions. Uh, quick one, I mean, you know, veganism we could talk, or vegetarianism, animal rights we could talk about forever, but just a quick one. Um, can a person who is not a vegan still be an ethylist? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> somebody yeah. could be a somebody can be a, a, an animal empathist and still be an animal eater. There's yeah. there's no crime in saying I would like to be uh, you know uh, I'd like to be respectful to my wife you know the con- marriage contract and still whore around. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean. You can want lots of things that you physically aren't capable of of being obedient to because you suck and you're an asshole. So I don't even have a problem with somebody being an antinatalist and having a kid tomorrow. You, right. you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. it, you know, we suck. We're irresponsible. We're lazy. Mm-hmm. We're lots of things. So we fuck up. I, I just care that you understand the principle. I just care that you have the empathy. You understand the argument. Um, whether or not you're able to be a good soldier or not. Well, you know, that's not really what I care about. I just care that yeah. you want to be. Okay. Do you want to be? Well, that's all that matters. You don't have yeah. to, you know. Yeah, I love that. Um, so I want to talk quickly about the ways in which ethylism has kind of had some very bizarre things happen to it in the last few years. And, and by that, I don't just mean my contribution. Um, but, you know, there is, uh, like on Facebook, there is this gigantic. Uh, primarily Arabic speaking group. Um, there's two of them. I mean, there's one's purely for antinatalism that has like 75,000 members, but there's one specifically for ethylism that has about 17,000 members. And it's, um, I don't know if you ever saw the episode of that other project I did, uh, evil TV, antinatalist television, where I interview, uh, somebody from that, uh, mysterious world of Arabic antinatalism, Laith Malik Reem, but it's just very bizarre. And I don't know how the fuck it all happened because it seems it's Ethylism in some sense of the word, but um, and some of your videos have been translated into Arabic, uh, you know, with subtitles, but um, it's still like very divorced from every from you, from everything that you talk about, um, you know, because of the giant language barrier. So I'm just I'm just curious to know your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, I can't say I have many. Um, you know, I'm not okay. much of a I'm not much of a group guy. I'm not much of a social thing. So yeah. you know, unless somebody's making compelling arguments that are just so good, and you know, you got to got to hear this new argument, got to hear this new way of saying it. Yeah. Um, I hate to say it, but I'm just not that easily impressed. You know, I, yeah. I, I'm just so full of myself, and oh yeah, I'm really, you know. But frankly, you know, I, I mean, I hate this. To put it in these terms, it's like, you know, I suck, but everybody else sucks even more. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm really incompetent, but the rest of you guys can't bounce a ball for shit. You know, mm -hmm. almost that kind of attitude. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Until, until something shows up that's really, wow, you say, damn, they really did a good job. Like I said, like your movie, like something that just sits there and says, wow, look at this, you know, the Grey Cat Chai Cho thing, you know, putting something... You know, get an edge, giving it a you know something that just says you know, wow, you added you added real value. Yeah. And unfortunately, I see a lot of people who are just starting up and they're trying to do something, and they're 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 at, you know the the product is as amateur as the participants. Okay, is all I'm saying. Yeah. They're not very yeah. they're not very thorough. They're not very uh, rigid. They're not you know it, it doesn't have a form yet. So maybe yeah. when it takes shape, then I can say. It's a monstrosity, you know what I mean? But I can't call yeah. it a monstrosity yet because they haven't really built it yet. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I mean, that takes us just into one question I have about activism. I mean, obviously, like, activism is a very built-in part of ethylism and I think the best of antinatalism. And there is all this fear in the community. It's a lot of people that, like, enter the community, you know, make some content and take the content down. They, they get really excited about it and then they leave, they get scared, they, they come back and forth. And yeah, I mean, you and I have seen that happen a million times. Um, but I mean, you, you obviously feel like there is, if you have a certain understanding, there is a responsibility to propagate that, that knowledge of that responsibility in other people. There is, there is a responsibility to be an activist, correct? Uh, it's sort of making a distinction between somebody who appreciates music and somebody who's a groupie. Okay. Yeah. So you, okay. you can make arguments about like the people who are gravitate to antinatalism the quickest are usually people who are themselves generically built by antinatalism. I mean, they are, they are the broken, the disabled, yeah. the dysfunctional, the, in lots of ways, the insecure, the the disconnected, the social parasites, social, the, you know what I'm saying? Outcast, the outcast, let's say. Yeah, yeah. And so, yes, that carries with it a ton of baggage in terms of all kinds of emotional, personal, emotional problems. So as much as I don't like the David Benatar clinical view, you know, mm -hmm. where no, no, no one feels anything. The opposite is just as dangerous of feeling way too much and making it way too yeah. personal. Yeah. So you have to be somewhere in between those two extremes of being way too detached and being way too attached. So I guess I'm just would argue that obviously the first comers are going to be the people who connect to it viscerally, the groupies. You know what I mean? I love you. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. care what you sound like. I love you. You know, uh -huh. so, yes, those you're going to attract. And so you can't let them run the show, obviously. And they, they you, you want to find a way for them to participate. But they are dangerous. And that's just life. It's unfortunately, yeah, you don't get anything. There's no free lunches. There's no perfect lunches. There's no, you know, it's all a little sloppy. And even organizing protest against the sloppiness is going to be sloppy. Yeah, yeah.
yeah, absolutely. Okay, just a, just like a couple more questions. Uh, just talking a little bit about the future moving forward. Uh, do you still have future projects that you hope to do around this subject? I mean, we're, uh, do you? What would you like to? What would you like to do next? Well, I, I like to make the perfect video. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm all for trying to be perfect, trying to get there, uh, make the perfect argument, make the you know make the perfect little wonderful thoughtful you know statement where I. You know what? Where I I pretend to love the audience and pretend to love what they're yeah. You know what I'm saying? I I'd mm -hmm. like to be able to make a a complete shyster piece of shit video. You know, <laughs> just, yeah. it just happens to work. Okay, yeah, it yeah. just happens to work. Right. You know. So so um yeah. So I'm I have ambition to to make a better and more complete contribution to this subject. Um, to to. To have my chance to fight for the cause, you know, to pick up a sword and run, you know, at the enemy and do a good job of, yeah. you know, whapping their heads off. I'd like my chance, you know, so I'm, I'm not out of the game. Um, but clearly some of the foundation I've laid is solid and some of those pieces are just what they are and you don't need to redo them. You just mm -hmm. need to organize them better. So, yeah. It's okay. there to be done. There's more work to be done. Shit, I'm not at all satisfied that I've completed my job here on Earth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. Um, all right, so last two questions. Is there anything that you'd like to ask me? Uh, you know, uh, I could think. Uh, you know. <laughs> it's okay, don't worry. I just, I... Uh, I, no, I yeah, I got, you know. All right, so, so... You know, you 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 are functioning as if this word antinatalist is 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 complete enough. And then you even use words like um, what do you, no. what do you call an effless? Some sort of complete something or other thing. Wait, that's a technical term for the effless version of antinatalism. Oh, oh, sentiocentric. Yeah, yeah, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> it just means that it just means that. It I mean, I mean, I, I'm constantly stuck with the fact that we don't always have great words for these things. So, I mean, I, I, I completely it bothers you. I mean, you're, you say it like as if I, I, I don't even have a clue what you're talking about. And I'm, I'm it just I'm means sure. that it's a form of antinatalism that that extends to all sentient life, that it's not humano. I don't understand how it says that, though. That's the part I don't get. It's, it's like calling it's 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 like calling, uh, you know, what comes out of an exhaust pipe fresh air i just don't get it <laughs> okay <All right. laughs> I, i'm just saying it's a really horrible um um it's like having a poster child named ikabika old bobble blah blah blah, well, blah i mean i'm something. sort of yeah. in this situation where people don't want to use antinatalism people don't want to use anti-procreation people don't want to say ethylism so it's like what the fuck am i going to call it at this point i understand so, i'm just yeah. that's that's like sort of maybe the next mission is just to come up with some better jargon okay. for this anti-life kind of philosophy you know and like, i'm not totally against that but i'm also sort of of the mind we're like we're all using the goddamn word this is what's getting the press this is what's getting noticed so like why can't we just make antinatalism what it needs to be well like, I just, I, and it's, it's it's sort of like driving or you know it's saying well the car is a shitty color <laughs> it's got three yeah. flat tires let's drive it anyway uh, you know, I'm just saying, yeah, no, I, I don't know. Maybe it needs to be a little better before we drive it. So, yeah, I don't want to be yeah. stuck forever. It's look, you know, physics is already stuck with they got positive and negative wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, Benjamin Franklin just kind of labeled them wrong. Right. You should put the negative where you put the positive. 
and yeah. Fisk never fixed it. Okay, they never yeah. fixed it. Yeah, yeah. And so forever they're going to have voltage going one way in a, in a in a wire and the current going the opposite way, which is totally ludicrous, right? It's wrong, yeah. and they're going to keep it wrong forever because they're afraid to fix it. Now I just don't want to, you know, if antinatalism really, in my opinion, doesn't say it. Okay, it just yeah. doesn't say anything. No, so it's I just, not a perfect term. I agree with that completely. I, and and certainly centrosank antinatalism doesn't say anything that says anything to me. Okay, it doesn't say anything like that includes the worms and shit. Um, you know, so to me, it's this is one of the failures. Is if we can't even find a name for our band, we're already in trouble. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I I completely appreciate what you're saying. I guess in from my perspective, I just feel like I'm constantly in an impossible situation with this. And um, yeah, I I but I agree. I don't think any of the terms we have are. <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm like I said, I'm not asking you to defend. No, I know terms. you're not. Just, I know you're I'm not. just saying that you're you're sort of sliding into a kind of comfort with them that I would just say that maybe we, you know, as long as you agree that it would be better if we had some better language to speak to people's, to, I, to, make, to make it instantly understood rather than having to explain what a centrosank is, you know, I mean. centric but I, but I, but I, yes, I do agree with you on that. The other, the only thing that drives me fucking crazy about this topic is that that all of a sudden is any all anybody ever wants to talk about, and we never get past what we're calling ourselves. And there's so much else to talk about in this. Well, I know, I know, but yeah. it is kind of a first step, right? I mean, you, yeah. if you really get the name of the band wrong, right? If you call yourselves the Stinky Poos, you know, yeah, yeah. You're stuck with it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just you know, you just don't want to have that shitty name the whole freaking career. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, that's all. I, I'm just yeah. Very, I hear you. Yeah. I'm. I'm. <clears throat> yeah, All it's right, a little well, bit of a stumbling block for me. Is the language we got? You know, we need some better verbiage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I appreciate that. Um, is there anything that you would like to plug? Uh, the sinkhole of life. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so you know, I. Um, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, just, just screw that. Well, I, you know, I, I am going to put a little thing at the very end just saying, you know, go check out your website and all that. So that that's all I meant. But uh, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity. But um, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's, you know, subscribe and ring the bell. <laughs> you know, okay. Yeah, do all that shit. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, Gary, I'm just going to give you some final thoughts and then and then we're done. So uh, I just like to say a couple of words to the guests at, at the end of all these. Uh, so, Gary, I want you to know that when I asked the community for questions to ask you for this interview, I just want you to know how many people wrote to me and asked me to say thank you to you uh, for changing their lives. And I am absolutely one among them. Thank you uh, for your for your life's work. There's no question that you have changed my life and the lives of pretty much every one that you've touched. There's right, no well, question. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! That, as, as the argument goes, I didn't have anything to do with it. Okay, just like the sentence I just said, you, I didn't have a lot to do with that. I didn't have anything. There's to lots do with of people that would never have been exposed to any of this right, without you. It's just blame the flaws in the universe, right? If there mm -hmm. wasn't crappy physics, then I wouldn't have to make right physics, right? And yeah. if there wasn't wrong philosophy, I wouldn't have to make the right philosophy. So yeah. again, I'm just the tool. I'm just being manipulated. I well, didn't, you know, I didn't have any choices. So I'm just saying. That I'm may just be true, but. 
<clears throat> that may be true, but uh, but but regardless, you know, whatever you are, you do have the power uh, and a unique power to kind of divert people from the path that they were on uh, and to get them to recognize. So just just yeah. praise logic. Praise the fact that the the truth isn't always suffocated by nonsense. So okay, praise I'll that. do that. Don't praise me because I didn't do it. I didn't have a damn thing to do with it. I didn't right, want well, to see it. I didn't want to talk it. I didn't want to do any of it. I just yeah. got stuck with that job. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Well, thank you, Logic. Uh, but I also will say thank you, Gary, for all your contributions. You are an absolute treasure. And uh, thank you. Well, fuck <laughs> you. You're not welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I got it in. All right. I got it in. That was my plan. Yeah. And I got it in, fucker. All right. So anyway. <laughs> Please make sure to subscribe to the Inmendum channel on YouTube, and also make sure to visit him at www.donotgod.com. This podcast was made possible through the generous donations of other antinatalists during our The Prevention of Unnecessary Harm fundraiser. So on behalf of everyone working on the Exploring Antinatalism podcast, thank you for making this show happen. Our next episode will be another roundtable discussion, and we will be joined by YouTube antinatalist star, The Friendly Antinatalist. So if you have any questions for the friendly antinatalist that you would like asked on the show, please reach out to us on any of our social media sites or leave a comment below. Once again, this has been Old Fan. You can find me at Forever Wolf Films on YouTube, as well as keep up with my daily antinatalist news updates at Antinatal News on Twitter. Please follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come chat with us on the Rogue Philosophy Antinatalism Discord, and email us at exploringantinatalism at gmail.com. This podcast can be listened to on our YouTube channel, Exploring Antinatalism Podcast, as well as Buzzsprout and iTunes. We also have a new website, still under construction, www.exploringantinatalism.com. Podcast artwork donated by the incredible Life Sucks. All the best, and bye for now.